you, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 152 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And boy, howdy, are we glad to have you here with us today. Boy, howdy. Well, not here. No, they're not here. That'd be weird. That would be weird. I'd say it'd be too many people, but it wouldn't. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't have a lot of listeners, but my <laughs> apartment's not that big, so. Um, anyway, uh, how's it going, Taylor? Oh, not bad. Not so bad? Not so bad. What's uh, What's new? Uh, not much. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Had a vagrant punch in a window at the bar I was at last night. That's fun. Yeah, I just walked by and punched the window. It's uh it's a, it's at a an adventurous time living in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what might happen. You might uh see some local celebrity. Uh you might see like, like Steve sh- Miggs? Sure. Or you might see like a cool street artist or, you know, some crackhead might punch in a bar window. Yeah. Any of those things could happen. It's true. It, it's it's a, a never-ending thrill ride. <laughs> How was your Valentine's Day? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just another day. Pretty much. Yeah. I was going to make a dinner reservation and then Cheese was like, no, I don't want to go out because there's going to be too many people. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Like, well, that was going to be my gift to you, so I don't know what to tell you now. <laughs> we always go out the day after, or the weekend after. That's what we ended up doing. It's, it's silly to go out this, that day, because it's like, it's expensive for, for starters, and it's crowded. And like, you know, you go to these nice restaurants, and you expect that you can get what you want, but no. They Most of ha- the time, it's Prick's Fix. Huh? Most of the time, it's Prick's Fix. I don't know what that means. Prefix. Like they have like this is your meal. Oh yeah, night. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they have a special Valentine's Day me- uh, menu. Well, I don't want any of that. Yeah, and sometimes you don't even get to pick what it is. It's just like, all right, here's five courses. Yeah, um, I can understand. You know, they want to get people in and out as quick as possible. But um, yeah, so I think probably I don't know four, maybe five years ago, uh, my wife and I are just like, you know what? We especially when Valentine's Day is on a on a weekday, it's like we don't want to come home from work, get dressed up, and then go out to dinner. Yeah, it's like we'll just wait till the weekend and do something nice then, because it'll be cheaper. We get what we want, be less crowded, and then we can just come home and fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just just hang out and, and fuck, you talk, yeah. <laughs> um, Netflix and chill, right. You know, like, no, no, no pretense. Just, just, I saw this cool new movie on Netflix. (laughs) Um, Oh, this is the wrong website. (laughs) 
guess we'll just watch this. <laughs> uh, where'd you go? I don't remember. It was like a week ago. I don't know. You fucking guy. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, so, uh, this, today's episode is uh, our celebration of Black History Month. And I know what you're thinking. Why are these two assholes celebrating Black History Month? These two crackers. Yeah. And, you know, part of me is just like, you're right. Why are they? <laughs> But it's like, you know, there's so much going on in February, and we want to shine light on everything we can. Uh, you know, that's kind of the nature of our show. You know, we've done Women's History Month in the past, which is also February. Um, and so this year we wanted to talk about uh, black history, and more specifically black, um, you know, black horror, um, which is, is not... As big of a thing as I kind of had in my head, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, you think, oh, well, there's plenty of shit they made in the 70s. It's like you know, all the black exploitation stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like part of me in in choosing a, a movie um, was just like, you know, do I want to go black exploitation? Because it's not really like what we're going for. Yeah. Like um, But it's like. It was a pretty significant part of black culture back then. So, yeah. um, so, but, and, you know, we've already done things like, you know, like Get Out. It's like we've already done that. Yeah. We've done both Tales from the Hood. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there wasn't a lot left to pick from. So we did the best we could. Um, and so we're going to be talking about, uh, Bones, which was a movie with Snoop Dogg mm -hmm. back in the early aughts. And then uh, probably the most well-known black exploitation film, or black exploitation horror film, uh, Blackula. So um, look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we'll just be doing our normal show. And, you know, this is, this is going really well already. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, before we go any further in the show, we, we do want to thank some uh, grave diggers over on Patreon. They help support the show financially uh, every month. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not an expensive venture, but it does cost money. Um, and if we don't have to, if we can pay for it out of somebody else's pocket, <laughs> that's for the best. And then we're more likely to keep doing it. Sure, yeah. Um, but anyway, the, those people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, supporting the show. It does mean a lot, uh, the, your continued support, even though we do get a little lax on the perks sometimes. But I know you're not, I know you're not in it for the perks. You're in it <laughs> to support this show. How are those videos coming, by the way? They're, you know, they're there. <laughs> they need to be here on the internet. Yeah. Not there, wherever there is. <laughs> over, you're just, you're just waving your hands around. That's, <laughs> that's not an answer. Are you shitty magicians? 
Uh, no, they'll. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to get them put up. I mean, I, we're you know we've got several in the pipe. Um, I just got to start getting them out. They're probably not going to be like I've, over the ones that have come out. I've been trying to progressively like improve the production value, um, and that's ultimately what ends up taking a lot of time. Um, but for, I think for the ones that we have, just in the interest of getting them out, I'm probably just going to throw them together and, and get them out as quickly as possible. So they may not be up to the, the caliber that you've come to expect from the Great Oh, yeah, the, the high, high bar we've set for ourselves. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll get them to you. And then we'll start getting back on schedule with getting those uh, out to you. But uh, anyway, Taylor, if anybody else would like to help support the show, where can they go? They can go straight to hell. No, they can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Get perks for as little as a dollar, including those videos once they start coming. Uh, $5 gets your name in the show. $100 gets you a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. And, you know, I know there's some person out there who wants that real bad to happen. We're just we're waiting for that person to come step into their place in the sun and say, I'll do it. And be a hero for everyone. Except me. Except Taylor. <laughs> but you know, no no one pressured Taylor into this. This was his his own doing. Zima pressured me into this. <laughs> Don't you blame Zima when it's I, not I, here to defend I will. itself. <laughs> I will blame Zima and Carlos. <laughs> Man, you tell me you were at the bar last night and some dude asked for a Zima? Yeah, I don't know who he was talking to. I just heard him over my shoulder, but I heard him just be like, I want a Zima. <laughs> I was just like, what? My people. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, I guess that's probably enough chit-chat. Yeah, probably. No, nobody likes listening to us. Least of all me or you. Then they've probably turned this off by now. <laughs> Okay, let's just jump into some horror business. Our banter is getting worse. <laughs> All right, starting out with some real-world horror. What just sounds like... Like, just absolute... The worst thing possible, because it's like death from above or from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. In past, I mean, first there was arachnophobia, and now there's this. Yeah, I mean, there's been no shortage of movies about attacking bees. None of them are any good, but they do exist. But um, in Pasadena, California. Um, uh, 911 first responders uh, came to a scene th- at the reports of a bee sting. Um, and, Who the uh, fuck calls 911 for a bee sting? I don't know. Man up. I mean, unless they're having like a an allergic reaction or something. Yeah. That I could understand. But, you know, if somebody's allergic to bees, you'd think they'd have an EpiPen at the ready. You'd hope. Um, but a 911 over somebody getting stung by a bee um, turned into... Just a fucking shit show when the first responders showed up and started getting attacked by an aggressive swarm of Africanized bees. 
Um, and if you don't know what Africanized bees are or African killer bees are, um, they're basically just uh, like if you take a, like a bee, you know, you know bees, like a little little, little thing, a little thing, <laughs> little it, black and yellow guys, yeah. black and yellow, black no, and yellow, like that horrible song, like yeah, that horrible it's, song, it's terrible, terrible, <laughs> stupid song. But if you take one of those bees and you make it like psychotic, that's kind of what it, what it is. Uh, I mean, they're called killer bees. You sure. Don't, you don't just get that name. Like killer whales. They just go crazy and kill people all the time. So um, in... It's not true. They don't do that. Well, they don't. Not at all. <laughs> uh, they So the first responders came out and they were trying to find the bee. I, maybe to like determine what kind of bee it was so they could find out how to treat it. Maybe. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Um, they were then attacked by estimated 30,000 to 40,000 bees. So bee NATO. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's the last thing something like fucking asylum needs to hear. <laughs> hey, if they haven't made barricade yet, then I think we're safe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's the best idea we ever came up with. Starring Oliver Platt. <laughs> As, As God. God. Because who else would you get to play God? Um, <laughs> Bill. Bill. <laughs> this uh, one would be big on bees. <laughs> um, yeah, so not only did the, the original person who rep- uh, made the original report have to go to the hospital, but so did all these first responders. Um. While only one person had been stung at the time of the call, the caller observed several bees in the area and may have had a sense of things that could take a turn. Um, the first firefighter to arrive at the scene immediately started getting attacked by the bees. Not the bees! <laughs> that firefighter was Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh my God, I wish. <laughs> Fuck, if they, okay, if they, if they make Bee NATO with Nicolas Cage, would you watch it? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Let me put this out there. I'll watch pretty much anything with Nicolas Cage. Man, they did one of those things today where they're like, oh, first look at Nicolas Cage in Wally's Wonderland. And it's just like him looking through a doorway. I'm like, this is this is nothing. This is just, this is just Nicolas Cage at home for all I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> he probably has all this weird mood lighting. <laughs> he probably does. He probably go to his house and there's just weird shit everywhere. <laughs> um... Let's see. The call over the radio was, there is a block-long swarm of bees. That sounds like just a fucking nightmare. block-long? I can't even fathom that. Like, what would that look like? Like, I, all I can picture is, like, a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, just like this big cloud, cloud of bees, yeah. Um, the fire department called in the police to cordon off the bee-filled area, and responding officers also began getting stung. Man, there was just no winners in this. Um, Except the bees. <laughs> Unless, are these the ones that sting you and then they die? I mean, that's what bees do. No, there's only certain kinds of bees that do that. I think that's honeybees. I think the killer bees don't don't die. I think all bees can only sting once. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's like wasps and hornets that can sting you multiple times. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants? Yeah. <laughs> They'll sting you over and over and, and make you cry <laughs> just because they're angry at themselves. <laughs> like Barry Bostwick? <laughs> yes. Cannon on the gutter talk. 
Um, let's see. A beekeeper was called to the scene, estimated where there was between thirty and 40,000 bees, what he believed to be Africanized bees, a term often used to return, refer to a hybrid of the African honeybee and European honeybees. Okay, so they are honeybees. Um, Africanized bees are generally more aggressive than other type of bees and bear the killer bee nickname. Do you think when this beekeeper got the phone call, he was like, it's my time. <laughs> Let's gear up. I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> and then he did like a smash cut montage <laughs> of him like getting all of his gear, hopping into a station wagon. Putting on that screen helmet thing. <laughs> um, That's terrifying. Have you ever been stung? Oh, yeah. I, I never have. I don't know how. Never. I, I don't know how I've gone. Almost 35 years without ever being stung by a bee, but uh, here we are. That is remarkable. I could be allergic to them, for all I know. Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe they're allergic to you. Maybe. Maybe there's something about me they don't like. I, I, get, I, know, I understand that feeling. <laughs> you know that feel? <laughs> you don't like my stupid face. Probably because you're so pasty. You're just like, there's nothing there for us. <laughs> he has no blood in him. That's, that's mosquitoes. They don't, they don't well, it's like, you know, bees only sting out of defense. They don't do it to be outwardly aggressive. They don't, they don't do it to be assholes. Yeah. Except, like, wasps. Like, certain kinds of wasps. They'll just sting you because they're dicks. Yeah. They're fucking... I remember uh, a couple of years ago, we had a wasp's nest in one of our um, attic vents. Um... And like, the, like I don't know how many were in there, but those things were flying in and out of that vent like all day long. And I seriously emptied probably like an unhealthy amount for me uh, of uh, wasp spray. And it's like one of those those cans with those really long jet streams. It's mm-hmm. seriously, I, I bought like three cans, used all of them, Jesus. and then went back to the hardware store to get more. Holy fuck! Yeah. And like this was all because um, you know our dogs were out there, or our, our dog at the time, I guess. Um, and we also had we were having people coming over uh, for a barbecue. It's like, well, you got to get this taken care of. Um, and so ended up calling out a an exterminator, who then he came in the middle of the day while I wasn't home, which was fine. I I told him to just go ahead and go in the backyard and take care of it, but. He like calls me and says, oh, okay, well, you know, I've got this screen over the vent and the only way that I can get to it, because I can't, I can't do anything from, from the outside. I'm going to have to like put something in to the vent to take care of the, the nest. Um, so I'm going to have to remove this screen. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, thinking in my head that he's going to take it off and then he's going to put it back on. Sure. I come home and he fucking ripped this thing off of the house. <laughs> bent the fuck out of it, and then didn't even attempt to put it back. <laughs> it's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> but anyway, that's my wasp story. And in that time, didn't get stung once. Can you believe that? Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> but again, yeah, there's probably just something about me they don't like. Yeah, probably. Aftershave or something. Phil Harmon, R.I.P. Oh, man. One love. Man, I miss Phil Hartman. Who doesn't? I'd say probably not his wife, but she's dead too. Yeah. 
Because she was nuts. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> okay. So keep an eye out for B-NATO starring Nicolas Cage, directed by Edgar Wright. Yes, please. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> See, I know I'd bring you around on the whole B-NATO idea. <laughs> All right, so you remember that whole Dark Universe thing that Universal was doing where they were like, hey, we're going to make all of the monsters superheroes and then we're going to have them be connected and Samuel L. Jackson is in it. Right. How could I forget? <laughs> and then they were like, no, we're not going to do that anymore because it, it was a terrible idea and it took us three movies to realize this is a terrible idea. Three movies? Well, there's Dracula, The Mummy. Well, like they said that Dracula and Untold, was that what it's called? Yeah. That wasn't that was supposed to not be connected. Originally it was. Until it was so bad. They were right. like, no, that's not that's not it though. That was something else. We were just trying things out. <laughs> but so now it sounds like they're kind of like, well, we're still gonna make the movies. They're just not gonna be connected. Wink. Unless they are. <laughs> uh so one of the movies that they were talking about <laughs> making. <laughs> then what is Samuel L. Jackson doing there? <laughs> All right now, Sam, you're going to lay her down in front of the fire. <laughs> uh, one of the movies they were talking about making was Bride of Frankenstein. And it sounds like they're ready to start chugging along that train track again. Yeah, because why not make Bride of Frankenstein before you've made Frankenstein? Sure. Uh, thanks to a new creative mandate at Universal, a series of edgier and more affordable takes on the classic movie monsters, such as Dracula, Wolfman, The Mummy, Frankenstein... And, of course, The Invisible Man that just came out uh, are back in the works. When is this going to end? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I feel like there's a certain point where the public needs to uprise, or you have an uprising and say, hey, you, get your damn hands off of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like these... Production companies are just really f like they're they're taking their dicks and like putting them between their legs and shoving them th up their own asses, provided they actually have dicks that long. Goodbye, horses. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, they're fucking themselves in the ass. But they're making millions of dollars doing it. But that's the thing: people got to stop going to see these fucking things. Well, there's too many stupid people in the world. Well, yeah. Because they're they're not marketing to horror fans anymore. No, and that's why, you know, I think they're marketing to the casual horror fan who like you know is wants to go take his girlfriend to a horror movie because maybe she'll nuzzle up against him because she's scared. Or... Sure, and you know it's like people, not necessarily like us. I think we're a little more. I mean, unless you get us on like certain topics, we're a little more lenient. But there are horror fans out there who um, lesser horror fans will refer to as gatekeepers. People that feel like they have like this all saying, all knowing, you know, dictation on what should be allowed in the genre. And it's like, the more I see shit like this, the more I feel like that. Yeah. 
Because it's like, you know, people think that horror is like getting this second coming, like, you know, well, not necessarily second, but probably third coming. Um, you know, after it got so big in the 80s, you know, low budget slashers and things of that ilk. <clears throat> and now it's having this second uprising um, because horror is getting so popular and it's so marketable. And, and I feel like, like really hardcore horror fans might be feeling like kind of left behind because it's this, it's this shit like, like this, it's not really being marketed to true horror fans anymore because studios are like, well, this is such a small, you know, little niche audience. It's like, why, why should we only appeal to them when we can appeal to everyone? And it's like, yeah, that should probably be the goal for most movies. But again, at what cost? Yeah. Like, I mean, if you want to do that with, you know, fucking Truth or Dare or whatever dumb Blumhouse shit they want to put out, whatever, that's fine. I'm not going to go see it, but go make your money. Do what you got to do. But don't, like, don't do it with Dracula. Don't do it with the Wolfman. Like, yeah, that shit's sacred for a reason. Like, yeah. respect it, you know? Well, it's like, I think if Universal was still Universal, it would probably be a different story. But now that Universal is like Comcast. Yeah. Um, it's it's different now. Yeah. I'm wondering how many of these they're going to hand off to Blumhouse since Blumhouse can, you know, pump out one of these movies for three or four million dollars. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what's stopping them from just doing all of them? I mean, nothing. Yeah. Which is which bugs the shit out of me. It's like, that's what I don't want to happen is to give more credence and clout to a, a production house like Blumhouse. Where it's like, I just genuinely feel like they don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's like, let's just make this dog shit for dirt cheap and, you know, charge people $15 a head to see it. And I know that's more the theaters than, well, no, it's not even the theaters, it's the studios. Let's be real. Because theaters only really have to charge like overhead. Yeah. And, you know, to keep the, f- never mind. I'm I'm getting off into a tangent. Never mind. Anyway, I just we haven't even actually talked about what we're trying to get to here. Nope. Go ahead. Go ahead, Taylor. Uh, Spider Man and Ghostbusters producer Amy Pascal is trying to bring Bride of Frankenstein back from the dead with some of Hollywood's top horror talent. A source at Universal tells Variety, Amy expressed interest in being involved with The Bride of Frankenstein, and just as the studio has done with numerous other filmmakers, we empowered her to explore a new vision for the Universal monster character and come back with a new and inventive take. Nothing has been solidified in an official capacity. I don't... I think this is what bugs me the most. This is a new and inventive take. Because, have you... Have you seen the trailer for this invisible man yeah it has nothing to do with with the original concept i mean we've said it on the show multiple times it looks more like hollow man than the invisible man yeah which was i mean obviously some sort of take on the invisible man sure um but it's it's not the invisible man and that's what concerns me because it's like when they are so far off of the original um, concept, you know, what's to stop them 
from doing the exact same thing with things more cherished like Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, where they get so far off track that it's not even the same story anymore. Yeah. Um. And I I feel like that's when you really start to like alienate people who uh, like really appreciate not only horror or you know vampires and werewolves and that type of stuff in general but also those true blue original universal monster fans you know Mm -hmm. and the also what concerns me is the fact that they may not care (laughs) yeah yeah i mean if they if they make their money then they they aren't gonna care yeah uh, filmmakers that have been approached include John Krasinski, Sam Raimi, Elizabeth Banks, who is doing The Invisible Woman, uh, and Paul Feig. Yep. He is, they're putting him on something specific, weren't they? He's making that Dark Army movie. Where it's supposed to be like The Avengers? I don't know what the fuck it is. But these, I, I think these are filmmakers who have been approached just for Bride of Frankenstein. Mm. And allegedly Krasinski is is like the front runner. Weird choice, but okay. Yeah. And Angelina Jolie was originally cast as the Bride of Frankenstein with Javier Batet playing Frankenstein. Um, the article I read said that Angelina Jolie was kind of like not moving on, but not like officially still on, but she would still be interested. I see. I remember Javier Javier Botet being or not. Wait, Javier, you're talking about Javier Bardem. Probably that makes more sense. <laughs> um, Javier Botet, the big skinny, like crazy, gangly guy. Yeah, the guy who plays. Okay, the, yeah, not him. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, their names should not be so similar. But I, <laughs> one of them needs a stage name. Sure. Yeah, you should tell him that. Yeah. Like, hey, you guys, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. I know they're your birth names and all, but let's be real. From now on, your name is uh, Rudy Extremo. (laughs) (laughs) But I I remember Javier Bodim being talked about. He was confirmed. Because remember they had that uh, um, photo shoot with like him and Tom Cruise and Johnny Depp, who was going to play the Invisible Man. Right. And then Universal is like, ugh. <laughs> um, did we ever determine if he was playing like... He's playing Frankenstein. The the monster or the doctor? Oh. I think the monster, but I don't know for sure. Huh. Because he's Spanish? Yeah, I think so. Extremo. That sounds Spanish. <laughs> But, you know, like Frankenstein, he was from Geneva. So he's Swedish. uh, Swiss, I mean. Um, But I think, like, in most movies that I've ever seen, he's never actually been Swiss. He's always been, like, English or American, American, even. Yeah. So it's like, or like when, like, Raul Julia played him. Raul Julian was Cuban? No, Mexican. Well, Julia put Frankenstein? Yeah. In what? Uh, I think it was like Frankenstein Unbound or something like that. Huh. Um, 
He played Dr. Frankenstein, not the monster. Okay. Um, then Aaron Eckhart played the monster in I, Frankenstein. Those are the kind of movies that I'm worried about them making. Stuff like I, Frankenstein. That's like not the Frankenstein story. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you ever see that? No. He was Frankenstein's monster, but like in the future. Yeah, see, I don't want anything like that. It was pretty dumb. Because then he got like wrapped up in this battle between, what was it? I want to say it was like gargoyles, which are like living creatures. I want to say vampires, but I don't think that's right. Anyway, and I, I may be like mixing them up with Underworld because they're very similar. Yeah. <laughs> um, that actually wasn't even universal. <clears throat> So, not that it matters. No. Um. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park screenwriter David Cope, uh, who was involved in the abandoned Dark Universe version, is still on board. And like I said, Angelina Jolie is uh, uh, reportedly still still committed or interested. So I, I don't know. We'll I, see. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't really want this. No. But, like, I don't particularly like Angelina Jolie. She just kind of irks me. But she does kind of look like, um, oh, bother. Um, Elsa something. Lanca- Lanchester. That's the one. She t- bears somewhat of a resemblance to her. Yeah, I mean, they both, like, they're very skinny and tall. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Striking features. Yeah. I could see her with, like, the hair. I don't know if they'd go that route. That's a little... Then what the fuck is the point? <laughs> what are we even doing? It's just like going with the flat head and the bolts and the... That's neck. like being... That's like saying, we're going to do Dracula, but it, no, none of the fang stuff. Like, <laughs> what? It's like, you know, the cape. We're just going to leave that out. Yeah. So. Uh, not gonna do anything anyway. So uh, that's enough. Yeah, get get ready for that. So. In other news of stuff that'll probably never happen, um, Robert England was doing an interview with uh, Entertainment Weekly. Not sure what for. He was just there. He was around. He's doing that new show on was it Travel Channel? Yeah, or Discover or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, he's doing an interview with them, and you know, naturally, as things do with Robert England, I'm sure the interview. St- steered towards Nightmare on Elm Street and probably asked him if he'd ever do it again. Um, And that's when he said that he would like to come back and do a reboot of Dream Warriors. Which, you know, if you guys have listened to the show long enough, you've definitely heard us talk about Dream Warriors and how it's the best of the series. Um, And uh, sacred, in a way. Yeah. Um and uh but he says uh he'd like to come back and be part of a reboot. He said he'd want to maybe play the dream analyst. The woman in the therapy sessions 
who doesn't believe that there can be such a thing as a collective nightmare, and that it's common that it's common to a group of people. He says, I think it would be fun for the fans. It would be fun for me to play the part originally played by a woman and do a flip on that. Oh, uh, I'd see what he's doing. That's all we need is more men. <laughs> <laughs> These women are taking our jobs. <laughs> he's like, you know what? I'm getting sick of this gender swapping. I'm going to flip it on him. Um, let's see. I think there's kind of a tradition in the horror genre of cameos like that, so it would be fun for me. I guess it'd be weird. Like, what? I mean, I could see it. I mean, yeah, I could see him in a movie, sure. (laughs) But he's not going to be wearing the makeup, you know that. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) But what if he was? (laughs) Hear me out. <laughs> what if he was Freddy playing? <laughs> and they just don't mention it. <laughs> what if he was Freddy from another universe playing the dream analyst to help them fight the Freddy of this universe? Whoa. <laughs> it's the Nightmare on Elm Street cinematic universe. <laughs> the, um, the, the no escu. <laughs> no. <laughs> um says, I don't think I'll ever don the makeup again. I'm a little too old for that. Agreed. I'm a little long in the tooth to play Freddy now. I think if I was doing it, it would be more like Freddy versus Viagra. <laughs> I'm totally on board with that. I know there's some people out there who have just have like this, you know, hair trigger. It's just like, oh, the only person that should play Freddy is um, uh, Robert England. And in a way, I agree. But that doesn't mean that I want him to come back and do it right. again. <laughs> Because I, I fully agree, he is too old for it now. Makeup aside, he just—he's old. He's his old balls. Speaking of his old balls, <laughs> why? <laughs> why would it be Freddy versus Viagra? Wouldn't they want to work together? You'd think to, for, for the for the boner for the, <laughs> for the hardness. Yes. And I, what is that supposed to imply? It's like. Freddy was never really fucking these people. <laughs> he just wanted to, I mean, scratch them. There was the, little scratches. the implication that he was banging the little kids before he died. Yeah, but that was never really like expressly. Until the remake. Sure. And but I there d- was the implication. <laughs> you know what the implication. <laughs> um. I know that's what Wes Craven originally wanted. Yeah. But like New Line wouldn't let him, right? Something like, yeah, they said it was like too much. So they yeah. had, to, had to downplay it. Do to child murderer. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yes, we can deal with child murder. Sure. It's child rapes. So it's a little touchy subject. Don't diddle kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, uh, I know the rights of of the Elm Street have gone back to the West Craven family estate. And I know they looked at a lot of different submissions and ideas. I'm hoping they're open-minded because there's a lot of young screenwriters and wannabe director screen. That's not helpful. Um, director screenwriters. <laughs> it's a bunch of wannabe filmmakers who <laughs> want to get their fingers in this. Um, that have been kind of obsessed with the horror genre and have some interesting ideas. I mean, it's talking about Silas. <laughs> The only person that I've heard 
that that's like has interest in remaking Friday or not um, Nightmare on Elm Street that I would actually be interested to see is Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood. Yeah, because I like what Spec Divisions or done. Mike Flanagan was Flanagan. This I thought there's something else. No, yeah, he said he didn't. Remember, he just said he had an idea that was like really cool. <laughs> okay, Mike, we all have <laughs> ideas that are cool. Granted, most of your ideas are pretty cool, but <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Would you... I mean, it's it's kind of weird because Dream Warriors is part three, so they're just like, we're gonna remake part three. Well, they're remaking Bride of Frankenstein, so you know why not? <laughs> they fucking remake whatever. I I feel like if you were gonna remake Dream Warriors, you could make it like a one and done movie. That's true. It's pretty self-contained. Yeah. Um, like, you know, you would need like a very short kind of explanation of who Freddy is and where he came from and stuff. But sure. You could do that with a cut scene at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, like, like they did it with the Friday the 13th remake, how they just kind of had that, you know, short little clip of what happened to Pamela. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even the remake, you know, albeit it was utter dog shit, but the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street did kind of cover, you know, the first and ideas from the third movie, you know, the, yeah. the idea of cognitive dreaming. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much like being like dream superheroes, yeah, or dream warriors, if you will, if you will. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'd say if you were gonna make just one and just be done but we know that's not how studios operate oh, anymore. No. no if they're gonna make it they're, they're gonna make it with the idea of it being a, a new franchise yeah they're gonna beat it to death yeah just like they did with the original one they yeah. made freddy's dead and it's like oh man this has gotten so bad we can't make any more of these man that popped up on some channel a while back and i was like oh freddy's dead i'll watch that and i'm watching i'm like i forgot how fucking bad this movie is yeah like i, I um, I think that was the last one I bought because something like it just in my brain, even though I hadn't watched it in years, I'm like, this is the worst one. So this is the last one to put an emphasis on <laughs> emphasis on. And I eventually bought it. And I seriously, it sat on my shelf for years. Like I think when I first watched it, some several years prior. Um, and yeah, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to give this a run. I'm not sure if it's as bad as I remember, but let's give it a shot. And it was as bad as I remember. <laughs> Like, how, how, what asshole signed off on this? <laughs> anyway, and why would, like, I don't understand why Robert England would agree to do it. Yeah, he, I hope he got paid. One, yeah, one can only hope, but it probably wasn't enough. <laughs> it's like, cause you know, you play a character for so long. It's just like how, you know, Kane Hodder, he played Jason in three movies, um, four movies. Uh, and, you know, at, over time, you get kind of, you, you become kind of precious. Or you, you know, um, protective. Protect, protective. Protective of, of the character you're playing. I can only imagine Robert England felt the same thing, especially playing it for so long. Yeah. It's like... Being the only person to play it. Yeah. And when you come to a point where you're making fucking Freddy's dead and you read this script, I'm like, 
in, like, how could you not read that script and be like, this is awful? <laughs> and it's got Breckenmeyer in it. Unless they were like, we're going to make this with or without you. And so if he was so protective of the character, he's like, well, if they're going to make it, then I'm going to be it. I'm going to be Freddy. I don't think I'd do that. <laughs> I'd be like, you go right ahead. <laughs> I will not be part of this. I will make sure to do the media rounds and tell people why I'm not doing this. <laughs> anyway. So another remake. Yay. Yay. Or probably not. So how did shit turn into Freaky Friday? But we got no choice but to turn this bitch sideways. I can't believe that it's Freaky Friday. It's Freaky Friday. All right, so this next story is not about a remake. But it's worse, it's, maybe. Uh, it, it might be worse. So, I mean, speaking of remakes, you know how they remade Groundhog Day? And they called it Happy Death Day? Sure, yeah. So Christopher Landon, that same writer and director, he's apparently that's uh, he apparently wants to make that his shtick. Is he's just like I'm just going to remake movies as horror movies, and so his next as you do his next project is Freaky Friday. Yep, uh, he is working on this new movie. Uh, after swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer. A young girl in high school discovers she has less than 24 hours before the change becomes permanent. Yep. And who's playing the serial killer, you might ask? Vince Vaughn. Like, I'd say I can't picture him playing this role because he generally plays himself and everything. But I think it was, what, True Detective? Or no, uh, well, True Detective, he kind of stepped outside his comfort zone. And in that movie, was Cell Block something? Oh, ba- uh, Brawl at Cell Block something? Yeah. Yeah. Is kind of expressing a little bit of range there, too. There's also the Psycho remake, but we don't really talk about that. I don't know why everybody hates that movie so much. It's fine. It, it, Get yeah, over it, yourselves. It, it's, it, it's pointless, because it's literally a shot-for-shot remake. Sure, yeah. It's like, um, it's, it's like drinking... Water. I mean, it's 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 like it's it's gonna take care of you, but there's not a lot to it. So, sure, yeah. but water's fine. Or it's like if if you gave someone a glass of water and they drank it, and you're like, "All right, did you like that? We'll try this," and then just gave them another glass of water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or like even okay, let's say <clears throat> you give somebody. You know, a bottle of their favorite soda or a glass of their favorite soda. Here, drink this. Oh, thank you. That's that's refreshing. I enjoyed that. It's like if you like that, try this and give them a glass of water. I'm like, well, I thought you were gonna say give them a glass of like the Safeway brand or something. <laughs> and it's like, here's this water. It's like, well, yeah, that's you know, it quenches my thirst. It's refreshing, but it's you know, I already had that soda, and that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, honestly, like everybody's like, ah, oh, it's a shot for shot remake. It's shit. It's like, yeah, it's a shot for shot remake. What's the fucking problem? Yeah. It's like, I don't think it's shit. I think it's like, like you said, it's, it's a fine movie, but it's ultimately pointless. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, Vince Vaughn, uh, the, the, the young girl in the movie will be played by Catherine Newton from Paranormal Activity 4. The blonde girl? Yeah. 
right. she's like 24 or something. She's going to be playing a high school student. You know? Why not? Uh, other cast includes Uriah Shelton as the love interest of Booker, uh, Alan Ruck from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, <laughs> and uh, Spin City, uh, Katie Finneran from Why Women Kill, Celeste O'Connor from Sella and the Spades, and Misha Osirovich from Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly, since it's a Blumhouse movie, Landon describes it as gory as fuck, blood drenched, and gleefully hard R. You know, it's weird to me. You know, I never saw Happy Death Day to you because the first one was so bad. Yeah. Um, so I never bothered because why would I waste my time? Um, but the first one, you know, Happy Death Day was R. Was it? Yeah. Which struck me as weird because, like, of all the movies that you guys have made, you, this is the R? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand the things that they do. <laughs> I, what, what, why are you like this? <laughs> why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I mean, you know what? Some people might have seen our, our tweet, but I, I hate when film studios or directors or whoever the person is, is like, you know, either we, we were going to make or we made this movie with, with the intention of it being PG-13. Yeah. Like, why? Make the movie the way you want to make the movie. If like I understand if you make the movie and they're like, well, this is gonna be NC seventeen, then okay, you know, there's probably no one's gonna see your movie then. Yeah. So if you want to cut it back to make it an R, I understand that. But while you're filming, if you're just like, we gotta make sure we do this and this and this to make sure it's PG thirteen, no. Make your fucking movie. Yeah. I mean <clears throat> nowadays because the the line as far as you know, what constitutes a PG thirteen versus an R, it's become so such a thin line. Yeah, that it's like you know a couple extra fucks or some nudity, even one extra fuck. Sure, uh, will or you know too much blood um, can constitute an R versus a PG thirteen. So there's this very fine line to where you know there might be a very intense PG thirteen movie um, that by all means. Could have been R. Yeah. But, and you know, this is some, this is not new. This has been around since studios realized how much money they can make. Um, that, you know, downscaling to a PG 13 to somehow appeal to a broader audience um, to make more money, you know, as a result, the films suffer because, you know, you, you're cutting out things like things that, you know, horror, like extreme horror fans like us appreciate, you know, the extra violence and the gore and, you know, the the nudity and, you know, all the stuff that we kind of grew up with. Yeah. Things that um, we've come to expect from horror. Um, and I don't know. I just don't think it's a filmmaker's job to worry about the rating. It shouldn't be. No. It shouldn't be. It sh- and, you know, that's what a lot of times producers are there on set for. Is to help or to kind of encourage directors to stay in their lane, so to speak. Um, especially if you've got like a you know a studio appointed producer there mm-hmm. or something. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like making a film with a specific rating in mind 
ultimately makes it suffer artistically. I mean, I don't know. Like, even even if it's R, even if you're like, I, I got to push to make this an R movie, it's like, no, make the movie the way that you want to make the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're adding in, you know, blood and guts just for the sake of it, <laughs> you later off, um, <laughs> it's like, it just seems uh, inappropriate. Gratuitous. Yeah. It's like, you know, I appreciate it when it's called for. Yeah. Not when you're just throwing it in just for shock factor. Right. Anyway. Anyway, so the one part of this we have not yet discussed, the name of this movie, <laughs> wait for it, Freaky Friday the 13th. Man, I wonder how long that brainstorming session lasted. I'm wondering how they're getting the rights for either of those. <laughs> like, wouldn't you think... I mean, especially with what's going on with Friday the 13th and all that bullshit right now. Plus, I mean, they whatever tr- studio owns Freaky Friday. Probably Disney. <laughs> probably. Well, it's a Disney movie. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's like they could try, but it's like you'd probably spend more money than it's worth. I also wonder if that's just a working title. I mean, maybe <laughs> Happy I mean, Death Day is terrible. <laughs> You'd think that that would be like a working title or Happy Death Day to you, the the number two in the letter U. Yeah. that They put that in theaters. At least they didn't call it like Dead Hogs Day or something. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> or like Groundhog's Day, but horror. That was like the working title. <laughs> Ground Horror Day. <laughs> Just see like this list on the clapperboard, like all these <laughs> crossed out working title names. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh get get ready for Freaky Friday the thirteenth. Maybe we'll get lucky and this won't happen. Maybe they won't do this to us. I'm pretty sure they're already filming, so So uh, I think we've talked about the show in the past. Um, the show Lucifer originally uh, on Fox ran for three seasons and then moved over to Netflix after Fox canceled it, even though it had a pretty, pretty strong audience. It wasn't a huge one. And, you know, granted, they probably could have and probably have replaced it with another show with a bigger audience. But the audience for Lucifer was faithful. People watched it consistently. You know, I think the numbers were always um, consistent. Maybe not strong as they might consider it. But um, anyway, so it moved over to Netflix after um, a lot of fan outrage after being canceled. Did, I think it was like a 10, maybe 13 episode fourth season um and then they announced they're going to do a, a f- i think it's even a shorter season fifth season now supposed to be the last one um news is coming out that uh, netflix and wb are actually talking about possibly doing one additional season so six total 
um, executive producers Ildi Modrovich and Joe Henderson, who have been steering the show, would need to make a new deal, but would like to do another season. The plan is for Lucifer to go back, Lucifer to go back into production in September. Uh, Tom Ellis, who plays Lucifer, and other cast members have already been approached by broadcast pilots and new series on various platforms. So Netflix and WB uh, would need to kind of, you know, get moving. Yeah, make you know, figure out what the fuck they're doing and start making these appeals. Because again, I mean, not only the audience and you know the fan base for Lucifer is faithful, but the the cast has been faithful. Yeah, like you didn't really have. Like, really, anybody who dropped out... I mean, it wasn't a huge cast. There was less than 10, I'd say, regular cast members. Um, and they all made the transition to uh, Netflix because they all love the show. So... That's pretty rare. It, it really is. Um, you know, when you, when you whenever you get network jumps like that, you always tend to lose some people along the way, but... Um, yeah, they all came back and they all seemed anxious to do another season. Um, you know, there's, there's a thing though. It's like, do you, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to overstay your welcome, become that show that nobody watches anymore. Yeah. Um, but, uh, see sources close to the situation are optimistic that a renewal would happen. Um, we are so incredibly thankful to Netflix for resurrecting our show last season. And now letting us to finish the story, uh, letting us finish the story of Lucifer on our terms. Uh, that was executive producer Modrovich and Henderson. Um, and they, oh, this was at the time of the season five renewal. See, that makes me nervous. Why? Because they said letting us finish the story of Lucifer on our terms, which means they have a end point after five seasons, which means if they do a sixth season, they got to start making shit up. Well, it's going to be like the final season of Scrubs. <laughs> well, sometimes, yes. It's like, okay, you know, especially in like British TV, it's like we have two seasons. We have three seasons planned and that's it. Series. Sorry, series. Series. <laughs> um, and, you know, that that does happen. But there are also shows out there like, uh, like let's take another uh DC-based show, like Preacher. It's like they had plans for several seasons, but I think it was this past season that it was their, they were canceled, but they had enough notification where it wasn't just a sudden cancellation. It's like, okay, well, this is going to be your last season, guys. So they had the opportunity to write a season to be their final one rather than just say, okay, well, here's this cliffhanger that you'll never know the end of. Yeah. Um, I mean, some shows though, that's like how they end. Like, uh, you know, how I met your mother, the, the season with Stella, Sarah Chalk mm -hmm. at the, the, the season finale, he proposes to her and that's the end of the episode. You never find out what she says. And they said they left it that way because they didn't know if they were getting another season. Mm. So they were like, if we didn't get another season, then it's like, well, that's how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Chalk's the mother, everybody. I wish they would have done that <laughs> because the way they ended it was just awful. We've gone back and rewatched the series at least twice. And both times at the very end when he's like, that's how I met your mother. I turned it off. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's the end. That's how, it's, that's how it ends. I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing after that. 
Why would there be anything after that? He just said the, the name of the show. That means it's over. <laughs> I still bear a grudge against Colby Smulders because of her character. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, yeah, so yes, yeah, so now they got to write a new season. You know, maybe they wrote the fifth season and weren't happy with how it ended, or you know, maybe they. I mean, maybe, but he said letting the finished story, letting us finish the story on our terms. That's what makes me nervous. I think that was because it got canceled at Fox. Yeah. Like, so they didn't have the opportunity to finish. Sure. In this case, they did. It's like, okay, well, this is going to be your last season. Finish it. But now it might not be. Right. So depending on where they are with season five, you know, maybe it's finished, maybe it's not. There might be another season to, to, to play with. So we'll see. I like Lucifer. It's a good show. Um, so we can see where it goes. Only one thing left to do now. See. Actually, what, um, all the CW shows, all the uh, superhero shows are this big crossover event. And they were like roping people in from all over the place. Like they brought in like the Smallville cast um, because they're doing like different universes. So they brought in like cast from the um, Smallville. They brought in uh, the '90s Flash, and um, like uh, who else? Uh, Brandon Ralph p- played Superman from another universe, and they just did all this shit and brought them all in. And they they like got uh, uh, Ezra Miller to to play the Flash from the DC universe or film universe, which like I never thought that would happen. But um, they had John Constantine. Um, taking two characters to meet somebody who was going to help on earth six, six, six. And then you go in and it's actually Lucifer <laughs> from, from the show. Um, because Lucifer was actually a character from Hellblazer. Oh, okay. That makes sense. No, sorry. Sandman, but it's a DC character. Um, so I thought, I thought that was a cool tie in. Pretty so, sure he was, he was in the Bible first. Sure. Yeah. It's funny because Tom Ellis looks nothing like the character in the in the comics. Really? Yeah. He's like this blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Anyway. <clears throat> That's it. Next story. So Kristen Ritter has just signed on for a dark comedy about a serial killer. You may know Kristen Ritter as uh, the bitch in Apartment 23, or she uh, she was the girl in Breaking Bad who, did she choke on her own vomit or something? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, this is also when she's out of my league. Jessica Jones. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, <clears throat> this show, like... I don't remember if I said this, but it's currently untitled. Uh, written by Angela Lamana, who wrote The Punisher, Channel Zero, and The Haunting of Bly Manor. I don't know if that's... That's probably The Punisher TV show, right? I would assume. I'm guessing, since those are all TV shows. Uh, oh, boy. Nanachka Khan uh, and, and Lamana are co-writing the series, which is based on the upcoming book, Serial Killer Anonymous, by Charles Warity. Uh, Khan created and executive produced Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23, as well as the show Fresh Off the Boat. 
Did you ever watch Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23? I didn't because you told me I probably wouldn't like it. That's probably true, actually. Yeah. I don't know why I wouldn't like it, but uh, just like it was not high. Because you told me I probably wouldn't like it, it was just like, all right, well, that's not really high on my priority list then. The Dawson is great in it, though. Oh, it's, I mean, it's the Dawson. <laughs> um, He goes on Dancing with the Stars on it. <laughs> that's right. He plays himself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But he's he's her neighbor. Got it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she doesn't have a job, and she just like does like short cons and stuff to pay her rent. And so she's quite the bitch. But but she makes enough to live in the same building as the Dawson. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know who his big rival is on Dancing with the Stars. Is it a pie fucker? No. <laughs> Fucking Dean Kane. <laughs> is, is it Dean Kane? Um, not much is known about the show's plot, but we do know it will center on a female serial killer played by Ritter. Of course, we don't know about the show because it's based on a book that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. It's a female serial killer. It's not something you see very often. Not really. I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't think of any other female serial killers. Fictional or otherwise. Yeah. There's, I'm sure there is, but yeah, I'm having a hard time coming up with one right now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, well. It's weird to me that books are being optioned before they're out. Um, I feel like that's become more and more prominent lately than it used to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's always happened. Oh, there was the woman that uh, Charlize Theron played in Monster. That's true. She was a serial killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't we do a whole episode on this? <laughs> on female serial killers? Well, female killers, not serial killers per se. Yes. What do we do? We did May and uh, Mandy Lane. Right. But not really silly. Well, Mandy Lane, kind of. Serial killer. Of sorts. Of sorts, yeah. May, maybe not so much. Not particularly. Crimes of passion. What's the, like, what's the, what's the, the meter? What's the bar for being a serial killer? Get how many people do you have to kill? I don't know if there's a specific body count. More than two, maybe. I mean, in that case, I would say May was a serial killer then. But like with, I feel like the name, like serial, like as in serialized, meaning you're. Like ongoing kind of set a trend you know? yeah i don't know i don't recognize like there's a there's a wikipedia article about it but i don't recognize any of these names <laughs> yeah there's plenty of names i just don't know any yeah of i just don't know who any of them are <clears throat> um yeah interesting this is gonna be a dark comedy kind of makes me wonder if it's gonna be like dexter-esque i could see that yeah i mean dexter minus the whole revenge plot probably or not revenge plot, but like the uh you know, killing the bad guys kind of thing. She, right. I don't think she's going to be that kind of serial killer. Right. There, there was, there's something that was like that. It's just like, fuck. There needs to be like a slapstick comedy about just a bumbling serial killer. It's just not good at it. At yeah. All, but somehow manages, to somehow manages bit. to still kill people <laughs> and not get caught. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
That's probably out there too somewhere, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> All right, that's going to do it for horror business, guys, uh, as we bumbled our way through that. There are, there are peaks and valleys with that one, I think. Ebbs and flows, yeah. <laughs> Usually when I got off on like a tangent was where things started to drag a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, that's the show. That's the that's that's show. show. <laughs> anyway, um, so next up are uh, film reviews. All right, so like we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, this is our salute to Black History because it is Black History Month, um, among other months. So many things in February. It's like I know there are only 12 months, but you think you could space things out a little more. Well, yeah, and how come Black History Month and Women in Horror Month, they got to be the shortest month? Yeah. That's a good so, question. It's a dick move. <laughs> Science. Science. <laughs> whoever or whoever did know. that. Whoever came up with this shit. Um, anyway. Who decides months? Like what month is what? Do they vote? Is there a panel? Mm. Is there like a board of governors that get to decide? Well, I mean, like national holidays are usually picked by... Or like as far as like uh, recognized months, I think that's typically the president. Could be wrong, though. I mean, I would say that makes sense, but this was all decided a long time ago. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, this isn't our first racist president. That's true. <laughs> Not saying, like, why... If it was racist, they wouldn't have given it a month at all. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway. They just threw him the scraps. <laughs> it's like, fuck you, you have the shortest month. Fine, so you could have a month. <laughs> February. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> anyway. So, in our celebration of Black History Month, we picked two films uh, that are in the black horror genre, subgenre. Yeah. Um, one, well, I mean, they're both well-known in their own respect, I guess. Bones, much less so. But I think people know what it is. If only they know that Snoop Dogg was in a horror movie. Right. Um, and uh, Blackula, which is like probably like the quintessential black horror movie. Yeah. Black exploitation, at least. Infamous. Um, anyway, Taylor, which one would you like to start with? Let's start with Bones. <laughs> What's the matter, bro? You spooked? This place is off the hook. There's nothing but a dark world of pain locked in that building. The last owner on the lease was back in 79. Some cat named Jimmy Bones. Jimmy Bones? Yeah, why? You heard of him? This is the story of Jimmy Bones. Black is man, hard as stone. Mr. Pass Patrick is dead. 
gold play the deuce like the king of Siam. Got a switchblade loose and a diamond on his head. Dude, there's a switchblade and there's a diamond. I don't think your past is dead, Pop. It's alive. Jimmy Bones, is that you? We killed you. Are you looking to score? Uh-uh, little brother. I got a natural high. A supernatural high. Remember that way back? I came back, now you got to deal with that. I want revenge that gon' end. You thought I was gone? I'm back home. Jimmy Bones is on, so ain't no stopping I take it to the necropolis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trip, ain't it? Doggy dog, brother. More like boners. Got him. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is directed by Ernest Dickerson, who also directed Demon Knight. Hey. <laughs> That's a solid flick. Yeah. Oh, uh, fucking... Uh, William Sadler and the most beautiful man on earth, Billy Zane, are both going to be at Crypticon this year. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> that is neat. I thought you were going to say William Zane. I think I say William, because when you start to say William Sadler, they'd be like, William Zane. I was like, <laughs> William Zane? What the fuck? Billy Sadler and William Zane. <laughs> Billy and Willie. <laughs> That's what they call each other. <laughs> That's what they call them on set. Yeah, when they go out and hang out together. Can we get Billy like, Willie oh, out it's, here? it's the old Billy Willie. <laughs> When they hang out. <laughs> yeah, like they walk in the bar and everybody's like, Billy Willie! <laughs> like Norm, but... <laughs> right. Oh, John Kassir's coming back, too. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be like a little Demon Knight reunion. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's like they planned like it. Like a very small Demon Knight reunion. Well, I mean, how big was that cast? Especially people that you'd actually recognize. Uh, they could have gotten CCH Pounder, but I mean... Until they get Thomas Hayden Church, I don't fucking care. <laughs> And he's got to do pictures dressed as Lowell. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine, like, everybody's, like, he, he's during his panel or something, and everyone's asking him questions about Demon Knight and whatever. We're just like, so on the set of Wings, <laughs> what's Tony Shalhoub really like? <laughs> Remember when you were working with Brian? You know, Brian from Wings? Oh, inside jokes. <laughs> this is why people don't listen to us. Oh, that's why? <laughs> well, I mean, amongst other things. Uh, so, we, we this movie kind of takes place in two different timelines. Uh, one of them, 1979, Jimmy Bones, played by Snoop Dogg, is, he's a, a numbers runner, and he, he's just like, a legend in his neighborhood and he loves to cruise up and down the street and just give people money. He's got his, you know, he's in his limo and he's just little kid will run up and he's just like, here, go get ice cream or whatever. Mm -hmm. So everybody knows when Jimmy bones comes to town, everyone just gets excited. Yeah. He's kind of like, um, like the, the, the local Don. I mean, like to use like a mafia term, like he's the Don of of the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but one day, this guy, Jeremiah, sets up a, a meeting for him 
with this drug pusher, Eddie Mack, and this crooked cop named Lupovich. And they, they tell him, you know, hey, would, we want to start selling crack in the neighborhood and we're going to make all this money and we want you to be a part of it and you're going to make so much more money than you're making now and it's, it's going to be real super cool. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Bones is like, no. He's like, that doesn't sound cool. He's like, this is, this is my neighborhood. This is where I live. This is, you know, I know these people and I don't want you pushing this shit in here. And he was like, there's no hope with dope. Yeah. He says that. That's where it came from. <laughs> it's actually a Snoop Dogg rhyme. A lot of people <laughs> don't know that. Um, <laughs> but the guy is just like, you know, just try it. And they put a, put guns in his face and they're like, just try it. First one's free. <laughs> All the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> it's like, don't even worry about this gun. Just try it. I'm sure you'll love it. But so he takes a hit and he starts like freaking out. And he, he pulls out his butterfly knife and Lupovich just puts two in his chest. And so then they, they make this deal with each other, this bond. And they're like, you know, if we're going down, we're all going down together. So we're all going to stab him with his own butterfly knife. I don't understand this at all. <laughs> no. He's like, we all need to have prints on the knife. And I'm like, you could do that without actually stabbing him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you need, or you could just like stab him once. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, he's already dying. Like he's bleeding out. <laughs> yeah. That's completely unnecessary. And by the time his body decomposes, those stabs won't be there anymore. Yeah. But so Lupovich, uh, Eddie Mack, Jeremiah, um, Jimmy Bones' bodyguard, and his girlfriend all just stab him with this butterfly knife. And Pam Greer. Pam Greer is, is the girlfriend, yeah. That's how you know it's like got street cred because it's got Pam Greer in it. Yep. <laughs> uh, flash forward to 2001. There's this old rundown brownstone. It kind of gave me uh, Castle Grayskull vibes. Did you get that at all? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, no. Um, and it's, it's Jimmy Bones's it's, house. It's, yeah, it's Jimmy Bones' old uh, residence, but now it's just it's been abandoned and run down uh, until this guy, Patrick, actually found out that his dad, who, spoiler alert, is Jeremiah, his company owns it. And so he under a shell corporation. He bought it out from him and he wants to turn it into a club. So he goes out there with his brother. Um, Cause this fucking run down desolate neighborhood is a perfect place to start. Oh yeah. A club. Right in the middle of this fucking slum. <laughs> I think it's funny that his dad tells him the same thing. He's like, nobody's going to come down here. Look at this neighborhood. Yeah. Which I mean, of course his dad, you know, knew other things that he didn't know. But sure. That's beside the point. Uh, so he goes down there with his brother, Bill, his friend Maurice and his stepsister Catherine Isabel. <laughs> Rando face to appear. <laughs> like, it's funny because they're all getting out of the car, and I'm like, oh, they got this white girl with them. <laughs> and I'm like, is that, is that fucking Katie Isabel? Like, what, yeah. What is she doing? <laughs> Dressed like she's from the mid 90s. Yeah. Like, she seriously looks like fucking Janet Jackson in Poetic Justice. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder if that's what they were going for. <laughs> But so he takes him to this, you know, he says, this is our new place. We're going to open up this club and it's going to be amazing. And they're all like, this place is a fucking dump. Uh, but 
you know, they eventually kind of start to come around and they're like, oh, I can see the DJ booth up there and this over here and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, uh, Tia, Catherine Isabel, finds this dog. And she's like, oh, I'm going to name him Bones because they told the story of Jimmy Bones and she thought that was clever. Little did she know. Um, yeah, so they go home. She gives Bones a plate of raw meat. As you do. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, their parents are just like, what, what the fuck is this dog doing here? Those live in a very affluent neighborhood. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, the, the dad is clearly very well off at this point. They, Married to a white woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, actually, they, the, the kids, they run into Pam Greer and her daughter. And they, you know, he tells her, oh, I, I grew up here, but now I live in whatever, something Heights or something, I think. And uh, yeah, and she's like, "Well, you don't look like you belong there." Yeah, well, it's clearly like you know this gated community, very white. Yeah, yeah. Um, she does. You may have just said this, but she said you look familiar. Yeah, she says well, we yeah. He says I grew up I here. Grew up here, yeah. Um, but he doesn't look like his dad, really. No, I think she probably. Saying he looks familiar from when he was a child. I don't know. It's very hard to write. Like people change a lot from when they're small children. Yeah, but people generally look more alike as as a child when they're an adult. Uh, versus being a child and being an adult, then two different actors tend to look alike. <laughs> well, sure. For instance, this guy's child version looks nothing like him. Aside from the fact that he is also black. Yeah. Um, so I guess I thought this was later, but while they're in the house, they uh, they go down into the basement or whatever it is, dungeon looks like, and the dog starts digging and he digs up Jimmy Bones' body. And you can tell it's his body because he's got the butterfly knife in his chest and he's got the big old diamond ring that was like Jimmy Bones' calling card. There was there was a whole song. I don't remember how it goes, but there was a song about him having a switchblade and a diamond ring or something. Yeah, you know, um, they've always got a song. It's, there's always a song. Do you remember the song? No. Because <laughs> he sang it for like two seconds. Yeah. I never, never sang it again in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, eventually you come to find out that the dog is actually like a physical manifestation of Jimmy Bones and the dog starts killing people. And when he does, Jimmy Bones gets a little more like the muscles start like growing back on his body and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, of course, opening night of the big club that's when jimmy bones comes full on back to life mm -hmm. and he sets the whole place on fire he also spews maggots on some people there's a lot of maggots just yeah in the mouths yeah sticky um it's a little surprising you know in this rundown neighborhood there were a lot of white people at that club right <laughs> it also struck me as weird that there's just a giant fucking I don't really know what it was. Was it just a house? It almost seemed like it may have been like a hotel 
because it had like a lobby area. Yeah, I'm, I <laughs> don't know. And an elevator. It seemed like it wasn't big enough for an elevator, but it did seem to have just like from the street view, it didn't look like it was that big. It looked like just a normal size brownstone, although it wasn't really a brownstone. Um, but it had like an elevator in it, and it seemed like there was just no end to how many rooms are in this fucking place. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it was like an apartment building or like I said, a hotel or something, but yeah, it definitely didn't just seem like a normal house. Yeah, even when they're doing the flashback in the 70s, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Bones walks up to the stoop and there's just a bunch of guys hanging out there. And then he goes inside and there are just people like milling around like you'd find in like a motel or a hotel lobby. Yeah, and there's like an elevator uh, operator. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know what it is, but um it struck me as weird that this place was in this middle it was in the middle of just this normal neighborhood. It's like pretty much this entire strip where this almost entire movie took place. It's like all like businesses um and like shitty little above store apartments. Mm-hmm. This is like the only like house that's there. Yeah. yeah, that's that's and it wasn't just like a normal house either. It was like this fucking mansion type thing. I mean, Jimmy Bones had money. Yeah, but he didn't build it. Like, <laughs> he did not build that place. It was already there. You don't know that. That place was pretty old, even in the seventies. Well, maybe he renovated it. Well, maybe he did. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then so Pearl, which is uh, Pam Grier's character, she she tells uh, her daughter um, Cynthia, which this was not a big reveal at all, but no. she was like, "Jimmy Bones is your daddy." Yeah, and like as soon as at the, at the beginning of the movie, when Cynthia is talking to Patrick and she says, "You know, I I don't know my dad. I've never known him. I don't know who he is," and and, that, and I'm fine with that. And you're just like, "Well, Jimmy Bones is clearly her father," yeah. <laughs> especially when you find out that Pam Grier was his girlfriend yeah um yeah it was just like putting two and two together <laughs> yeah um i mean if you've seen the movie you know that this review is kind of bouncing around because we kind of did the two separate timelines when actually they're they interweave together but yeah regardless it's weird because it starts out current day and then it's just a very quick thing of 1979 through the opening credits, and then it jumps back to open or to present day. Yeah, the present whole, day, the whole explanation of what happened to Jimmy Bones um, is all like actually even towards the end of the movie, not even in the middle. I'd yeah. say. But it's it, it really seems like there are like a total of like four people that live in this neighborhood, um, and. They all happen to have been involved in Jimmy Bones' murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jimmy Bones starts he, he starts coming back for revenge. Uh, he goes after his old bodyguard, who is apparently named Shotgun. I don't remember him ever saying that in the movie, but um, yeah, he's, I think he's. I think the only time that I remember him saying it was when he was coming to reap. Oh, did he say it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so he comes back and he he kills Shotgun, and uh, who else does he kill? Jeremiah. He kills Jeremiah. He kills Eddie Mack and his girlfriend Snowflake, or girlfriend, whatever. 
Top top bitch. Top bitch. <laughs> or bottom bitch. Um and he, he actually he cuts off Eddie Mac's head and he's carrying it around. And Eddie Mac's like, you know, I killed you, you killed me. This is his head talking. Right. He's like, I killed you, you killed me. We're even. Why why are you still like carrying around my head? And he's like, Oh, because I gotta, you know, keep your keep your spirit. Yeah. It's like this is like a little bit of like comic relief that seemed really awkward because uh the rest of the movie was not funny. Yeah. <laughs> like it had little instances, especially like between the siblings where they were kind of like joking around, but nothing really like funny. Yeah. <laughs> this was just like almost slapsticky. Right. Campy. Uh, yeah. And it's just like, what is, what's going on here? But he uses uh, Eddie Mac's head to get Lupovich, who is wearing a bad fat suit. Yeah. Um, and he wears a fedora. Like, who, who wears a fuck, fucking fedora? Are you trying to be fucking Dick Tracy or something? <laughs> he comes to see uh, Jimmy Mac. Was that uh, Eddie Mac. Eddie Mac. He comes to see him, and he like walks into his bars, club, or strip club, or whatever the fuck it is. And yeah, he's wearing a fucking trench coat and a fedora. And it's, who is this fucking like, guy? What year do you think this <laughs> is? <laughs> it's like this wasn't gumshoe. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you didn't even dr- like because when they flash back to the seventies, it's like you didn't dress like this in the seventies, <laughs> where it probably would have been more appropriate. I didn't think about any of that, but yeah, <laughs> just that—that's for me. That was what really broke this movie down. Was just those little things like that were just dumb. It's like why did why would you put that in here? Yeah, um, when you first see Lupovich, like it's obvious he's wearing a fat suit. But then when you see him in the light, it's even more obvious. Yeah. It's like so bad. Yeah. You're just like, you couldn't have blended that a little better? Like, especially since there's like, there's some really interesting visual effects in this movie. I guess it's more like digital and stuff, though. It's not really makeup. But yeah. Uh, I mean, and you know, it's for what is probably mostly a low budget movie. I mean, not like, not like super low budget, but. 16 million. Yeah, it's, it's oh man, it did 8.3 at the box office. So it didn't even make yikes. its budget back. Ouch. Um <clears throat> but I mean as far as like uh special effects um there was a like the 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 blood they used was like that bright red it was shit. Very like giallo. Well, it, it was very black exploitation. Like it was. Oh yeah. There, there was a lot about this that was kind of like an, an homage to black exploitation films. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciated. Um, you know, kind of uh, doing throwbacks, but I don't know something about that. The the way it was kind of layered. It's like you know we're doing like this modern day black exploitation film, but then we're also referencing the seventies when black exploitation would have been a real thing and. <laughs> Very uh, current thing, um, but yeah. Um, so Jimmy Bones, he goes back to the house and he he leads everyone back to the house. And Pearl comes up with this theory or whatever that uh, you know she she says that the body has three parts or every a person has three parts: the body, the soul, and the spirit. And she says the spirit is in your blood. So there's something 
that's keeping Jimmy in this house. And then she realizes that it's her blood-soaked dress from the day that he died. Okay. <laughs> As she's explaining that, I'm like, wait, what? I feel like the writers probably thought that was so cool at the time. <laughs> I was like, isn't the soul and the spirit like kind of the same thing? Like, Yeah, if somebody were like to say to me, you know, the body has three parts, the mind, the soul, and the spirit. Like, those are two things. <laughs> like, what do you mean? It's like, no, but the spirit is in the blood. Like, what? I don't... Then that's just blood. Yeah, it's like, I don't understand. So then the three things are the blood, the mind, the blood, and the soul. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're saying to me right now. But she's like this, you know, like, palm reader, tarot card reader. Yeah, from this long line of psychics. Yeah. Because naturally. Yeah. So Pearl, Cynthia, Patrick, and Bill were the only ones left at this point. Well, the mom and Tia just kind of stay home. <laughs> yeah. Like literally the last thing you see of them is Tia being like, I'm coming with you. And they're like, no, you're not. And she's like, okay. Have <laughs> <laughs> fun storming the castle. <laughs> yeah. You never see her or the mom again. You're just like, well, I guess they just dealt with it. (laughs) But so Pearl, Cynthia, Bill, and Patrick go back to the house. Uh, Bill gets killed off. Uh, Maurice's ghost, like, tricks him to go down the wrong hallway or something. Something pretty dumb. (laughs) This movie falls apart very quickly. Yeah. And Pearl uh, goes up this ghost elevator. To find Jimmy Bones, and they start like you know reminiscing and having them having sharing a moment. Um, <laughs> me, meanwhile, Patrick and Cynthia go to the City of the Dead, which is this alternate dimension. Yeah, it's but for some reason Jimmy Bones has become this like Lord of the Underworld. <laughs> yeah, not just some dude who died in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> but within this alternate dimension, they just go upstairs and find Jimmy Bones and Pearl up there. Of course. They didn't, how... they didn't have to take the ghost elevator. Yeah, there's always a back door. <laughs> uh, and so Jimmy Bones is just like, hey, Cynthia, come join your family. And so she like hugs him. But then uh, he turns into a monster trying to kill Patrick. He turns into like a demon face. Kind of thing. Making him just spin, spin around and around. Spin around and all these ghosts are coming out of him or going into him or something. I don't know what's happening. Or just circling around him. I don't know. There's ghosts. There's just these ghosts. And he's just laughing his ass off. Yeah. But it's like, it's like this demon laugh. Yeah. It's like, it's not that funny. (laughs) I mean, it's funny for like kicks. It's like, oh, look at him. He's spinning around. (laughs) What an idiot. Yeah. But after a while, it's like, what are you going to do now, Jimmy? Well. I haven't planned past this. <laughs> I'm just going to leave him there. Yeah. I'm going to go bang Pearl. I'm going to make him spin forever. <laughs> That's it. He's going to puke eventually. That'd be funny, <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't think you've thought this through. <laughs> it sounds like you didn't plan this out. <laughs> uh, but Pearl like comes to her senses and realizes she's wearing the dress. And so she sets herself on fire. And I'm like, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, Lu- Lupovich, was that his name? Yeah. Uh, he just, he ripped, like one-handed ripped the dress off of her. Yeah. She could have done the same thing, or just taken it off. Yeah. 
this, this, this. And just put it on the ground and set it on fire there. Like, you didn't have to die. It's like, she's got to be so fucking dramatic. <laughs> Women. <laughs> um, but so then Jimmy Bones is like, no. And he like runs to her and then he gets caught on fire. As you do. Yeah. So Cynthia and Patrick, they run out of the house just as it is collapsing. And Patrick sees a, a picture on the ground. He look, picks it up. And in the picture, Jimmy Bones like looks at him and is like, uh, what does he say? Dog eat dog. Dog eat dog. Is it dog eat dog boy? I think he says boy, yeah. And that's when it dawns on him that, oh, Cynthia, since she's Jimmy Bones' daughter, has his blood running through her veins. Or his spirit, as the medical <laughs> as profession would Pearl say. Pearl would say. <laughs> as the medical profession. So he turns around and uh, Cynthia just vomits maggots all over him. Sure. Fade to black. Seen it a million times. <laughs> Find out a girl's part demon and she just pukes maggots just, all just over you. Spews maggots. That's the telltale sign. <laughs> That's how you know. Uh, so it's not a good movie. No, not really. I can see why it only made back half of its budget. But like I said, there there are some really interesting visual effects in it suppose mostly at the beginning like there's a couple parts where you'll see like a shadow kind of grow across the wall very like nosferatu ish yeah and then all of a sudden you're like you'll see snoop dogg's face in it <laughs> it's like ah, it's snoop dogg <laughs> um, or there's one part where you see like a hand shadow and then there's like these monsters or demons or something like this is these goopy people like in the shadow and like it makes like a and it makes like a little bunny <laughs> Um, there was one part that would like kind of creep me out was when uh, they open or Cynthia opens a door I I think and she's like looking down this hallway and you can see like this very vague like image of Jimmy. Like it looks like um if you ever see yourself reflected in a piece of glass with like light shining down on your face and you can only see like, you know, the accents of your face. Mm, yeah. It was kind of like that. And it just it looked creepy. And that was it was very simple and very quick, but I thought it was like an effective thing. Yeah. There's there's a few things like that that were pretty pretty neat. Yeah. You know, something that is a is a new line movie, and this came out in two thousand one. Uh, and at the beginning, when the new line title card comes up, it says an AOL Time Warner company. <laughs> AOL, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to think when that was a thing. Yeah, kids with the aims. <laughs> yep, that's how you that's how you got booty calls in the back back in the day, guys. Before there were dating services. AOL, AOL and some messenger, yep. And then you would uh, just put some emo lyrics as your away message. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and like when you wanted to get somebody to notice you, you'd like, like, uh, go on away and come back several times. <laughs> you would just go home from school and sit on AIM until the girl that you liked would get on. Yep. And then you'd be like, wait, 
Like, don't don't message her right away. Right. You don't want to seem too eager. Act like you didn't even know she was there. Oh my god, she just messaged me. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like you wait like a whole like three minutes and be like, oh hey, how long you been on? I didn't see you. <laughs> God, things were so dumb. <laughs> I mean, they're still dumb, but they're dumb in a different way. Yeah. Things were, were dumb for us, <laughs> our generation. Because we were like the first computer generation mm-hmm. where we did like almost everything online. And uh, we were still figuring things out. Yeah. And it took like a minute and a half to get online. Yep. And it was really obnoxious. I remember when we first got cable internet, uh, like Wi-Fi was still relatively new, and it's like if you wanted to put multiple computers on the same line, you had to like manually like use like a actual hardwired router. Mm-hmm. So we just had like the one computer that was online. Like actually, we only had one, two computers in the house. But I think one of them, only one of them was online. Anyway. And you couldn't make phone calls. No, you couldn't. And so, Not like, while you were online. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I remember, I feel like I remember when I was a kid, like, we weren't allowed to be online before my parents got home. And in order to check if we were online or not, they would call. Um, I think we like got smart about it. Like we knew roughly what time they were going to call. So we'd always log off. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. That's, 2000s. That's been your look at the 1990s. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Snoop Dogg was not as bad as, as I was expecting. No, his like, he wasn't even, that good. <laughs> even though his character is like so prominent, he doesn't talk much. No, his lines are usually very short, mm-hmm. and it's kind of just him being Snoop Dogg, <laughs> pretty much. But he's not. He doesn't seem awkward when he's delivering lines no. or, or stiff, um, which was really surprising. I thought he was going to be like terrible. Yeah, the one part where he was like really bad was at the end when he's. Sp- Spinning, what the fuck's his face? Patrick. Patrick, spinning him around, and he's doing like his fake dubbed over laugh, but he's like expressing zero, like actual true emotion. <laughs> um, But other than that, it's like, yeah, he's doing fine. It's like he's not going to win an Oscar or anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, for a guy who's not known as being an actor, he's he did fine. Did you ever see the Starsky and Hutch movie? With uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, no. yeah. In that, he he played Huggy Bear. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was he was pretty funny in that. Like same thing. Like his lines were somewhat limited, but his his comedic timing was pretty good. I thought. Anyway, um, but yeah, the story is very kind of clunky. Um, like. No pun intended, but the bones of a good story are there. <laughs> um, but it, like they, it, it felt like they needed to kind of pat it because, like you know, yeah, he comes back and he's looking for revenge, but then he also just kills random people. He does. 
I mean, like the kids, they don't, they didn't really do it. I mean, other than bringing him back to life, like sure. they weren't the ones that killed him, unless he's just killing him because they're Jeremiah's kids, I suppose. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that. Unlike anyone that might have died in the club that he burned down. Sure. You know, having never seen this before, my impression of this was he was like some dastardly like <laughs> gang leader or something. Yeah. And like he came back to life or he came back from the dead and started just like killing people. Yeah. You know, whacking people off left and right. Um, but it it wasn't that way. So like when I'm watching this and like he doesn't actually come back to life until, you know, three quarters of the way through the movie. It's like this. I don't know why this is called Bones because he's barely in it. <laughs> it's like for the most part, his representation in the movie is that dog. Yeah. And even the dog's not in it that much. But, I mean, you've got the, the legend of Jimmy Bones as a central theme. Sure. But it's like it's, it's more of like an ominous presence rather than, you know, effective. A physical the, manifestation, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. This is, uh, this is not great. No, it's, it's not terrible. Like, it's not painful to watch, but it does get a little boring. Um, you know, it, it kind of trods along at, at times, but like I said, I think that I think there's some very interesting uh, visual effects to it. I think the story is it, it's it's a decent idea executed poorly. I think. Suppose. I think I would have enjoyed a movie. You know, apart from him being like this beloved, you know, guy in the neighborhood who was unjustly murdered, I think if he was like, like a bad guy who was killed and came back to like exact revenge on people, you know, which he did, but you know, to change that element of him and make him more uh, ruthless when he comes back to life, rather than just you know seeking out these people that did him wrong, yeah. Um, I feel like I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Um, and he's got this butterfly knife and he never really does anything with it. Yeah. It's more of a prop. Yeah. I would like to see him like, you know, slitting some throats and stuff like, well, he did slit throats, but well, yeah, but I mean, I would like to see more of that as opposed to, there was a lot of just like people getting pulled into dark places and disappearing and, you know. You know, he like threw threw the knife, like as you would a throwing knife. Yeah, I don't think you can do that with a butterfly knife. I feel like it would just kind of open, come right? Apart, yeah, <laughs> like the weight's all off, and like you know the clip that holds the handle closed. It's it's not super secure. Yeah, but he's supernatural. He's got a supernatural eye. Sure, <laughs> man, was that line grown worthy? These guys are trying to sell him weed, and he's just like, I got a natural high. It's trying to sell him crack. Oh, was it crack? That's that's that was a thing. Like his, his neighborhood that he loved so much and was trying to keep, you know, clean, was suddenly now run by uh, Billy Ma- Eddie Mac. Eddie Mac, um, who was has apparently feel like the last twenty years been pushing crack in an, all into the neighborhood and ran into the ground. That yeah, wasn't so was a thing. It was like the neighborhood was doing all right. You know, it was a, it was a happy neighborhood 
in the 70s when Jimmy Mack was running, or not Jimmy, God damn it. Eddie Mack. When Jimmy Bones was running things, as soon as he died and Eddie Mack moved in and started running crack all over the place, then that's when the neighborhood seemed like it kind of died out. Yeah. So these guys are trying to sell him crack and he's like, no, th- no thanks. I, I got a natural high. A yep. super natural high. <sighs> oh, baby, no. And it was like, it's a, especially grown worthy because it's so out of place because it wasn't like that kind of stuff was going on throughout the movie. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like Jimmy Bones was like, you know, making ribs and, you know, <laughs> making puns all throughout the whole movie. It was just that one time. So you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. It wasn't super schlocky. No. Which may have made it a little better if it was schlocky, because then it's like you would have said, okay, this is bad for bad sake. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, it was just poorly constructed. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Anything else to add? Not really. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. Yeah. I mean, I've seen worse for sure. Yeah. I was, I went in not expecting much. So right, yeah. that, that helped. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a five. Um, I think I'm gonna get a four. It was, it was not as bad as I was expecting, but it was still pretty bad. All right, all right. So next up is the 1974 two two. Wow, it's older than I thought. 1972 film Blackula. You shall pay, Black Prince. With my name, you shall be Blackula. Blackula, the Black Avenger, rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror. Blackula, Dracula's soul brother, deadlier even than he. You know, he is a strange dude. You're a nut that ran in front of my cab. You're the only imbecile on this street. Boy. Blackula. <laughs> Look at man, you were fine. I mean, uh, you got to be around here somewhere. I mean, now listen. You, wait, you take your hands off of me. I don't know you. He thirsts for your blood. He hungers for your soul. Warm young bodies will feed his hunger. Hot, fresh blood will quench his awful thirst. Thank you. Bloody Mary. Are you, um, into the occult? How about the, uh, heavy stuff? What do you think of vampires? Vampires? I think they're possibly the most fascinating ball. More horrifying than Dracula. The Black Avenger. Blackula. From American International Pictures. So this is a movie that like, it's like you know it exists, but you've never watched it. Yeah. And so you don't know anything about it. I'm like, Black Dracula, like I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> How did that happen? But there actually is a somewhat legitimate backstory to it. 
to like how he became a vampire and oh i thought you meant to the movie itself no oh yeah um but uh yeah it's not like they just kind of throw out there look there's a black dracula deal with it like, yeah it's like i don't i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> like you know he's dracula but, but, he's, but, black. but he's black it's black gula get it <laughs> Um, but no, like you said, there is like there is a, a backstory to it and a, a reasonable explanation for everything. <laughs> reasonable, yes. Um, um, before we get to that, though, can we just talk real real quickly about the tagline? His bite is out of sight. Oh, that's terrible. Right? Oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because you know black exploitation, like it's not called black exploitation. F- for no reason is because it was exploitive of black people. Yeah. You know, and these movies weren't necessarily all pro black or pro African American, you know, they were exploitive. Yeah. <laughs> they they were making caricatures out of black people at a time. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, this movie is really not any different. In fact, it might be kind of like w- one of the pinnacles of that. You know, it was directed by a black guy, William Crane, but written by three white people. <laughs> so, I mean, you can imagine how fucking tone deaf this entire movie was. Sure, yeah. Um, But uh, anyway, so... As far as the plot goes, uh, it starts out in 1780, um, and we're in Transylvania, so you can see where this is going. Um, and uh, Prince Mamawalde uh, is sent, or he's the, uh, the prince of the Abani African nation. Um, he's sent to Transylvania to speak with Count Dracula, you might rec- you might recognize the name to discuss with him of um, the Draculas, <laughs> you know, of the uh, the Transylvania, Transylvania Draculas. Draculas. <laughs> 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 Multiple. <Dracula. laughs> anyway, like that's his last name. <laughs> um. So he he sent with uh, him and his wife are sent to Transylvania to speak with Count Dracula um, about the possibility of ending the slave trade. Um, And, you know, they start out with these pleasantries. You know, they're both, uh, you know, uh, upper crust of their respective um, nations or, you know... uh, Society. Society, thank you. I was going to say community, but that's not really the right word. (laughs) and you know they're speaking pleasantly to each other, but there's a, a certain degree of tension, mm-hmm. like in their words. Um, and it comes to the point where Mamualde says, "You know, I would really appreciate your help in you know signing off on ending the slave trade uh, through Europe." And Dracula's like, well, yeah, that seems a little extreme. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm uh, I'm kind of in favor of the whole slave trade thing. It's... He's like, come on, it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's it's a little awkward hearing him try to defend slavery. Yeah, which I'm sure there were similar things going on. Oh, like I this. guarantee there was lots of this going on. Especially, you know, around the time of the Civil War. Especially since, like, at one point, Dracula says something like, you know, oh, well, yeah, it seems bad if you only look at it from the viewpoint of the slave. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so Dracula says, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. And Mama Wally... No, he actually says, I'm going to keep your wife. <laughs> Mama Wally says, No. The fuck you are. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Actually, f- at first, like when you know Dracula starts getting indignant, Mama Walde says, "Well, I'd say this brandy has become as uh, what does he say? Like it's something like it become has become as distasteful as the company, or something like that." <laughs> Burn. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh damn! <laughs> he insulted you, Angel Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> so he stands up and he's getting ready to leave and that's when Dracula is like maybe I'm just gonna keep your bitch here and he's like the fuck you are and so they get into a fight actually he sends in his guards because uh, Dracula is like well you guys aren't going anywhere and then <laughs> Mama Walde is like unhand me you cad and gets into these these terrible fist fights with these two <laughs> guards and then they take swords off of the wall and start sword fighting. Actually, Mama Walde grabs a torch. That's right. Yeah, I guess it's just the guard. And it's like a, it's like um, fuck. What are they called? A saber? No, it's not a saber. They were really popular in like ancient Egypt. Like Egyptian guards would use them. Uh-huh. Um, sickle blades or something like that. Ah, fuck. I can't remember. Anyway, um, so he. If he manages to fight off these two guys, but then this... He beats off the two guys. <laughs> just... First he beats off the first guy, then he beats off the second guy. And then this cadre of uh, vampires Suck you by. come in and... With just terrible makeup. Oh, so bad. It's like Dawn of the Dead style. Just like, oh, let's yeah. just paint them one color. Yeah. It's like they're dead, so they're green. Yeah. That's how it works. And then give them giant fangs. So that like yeah. come down to their chin. Right. <laughs> um and uh they knock Mama Walde out and they take his wife uh, Luva. Luva. Yeah. And um that's when you know Dracula, he's all bent out of shape and pissed off. So he he bites Mama Walde. And then we jump to this chamber somewhere in this castle or mansion or whatever the fuck it is. Um, and he's laying Mama all day down in a coffin. Lay you down. <laughs> and he says to him, uh, you know, you've caused me enough trouble and now I'm going to curse you the way I've been cursed. Um, and I'm going to curse you with my name. And I sh- shit you not, fair listeners. He says, I Give you the name Blackula. He actually says it. I kind of wish he would have been like, I curse you with my name. You're black. I'm Dracula. So Blackula. That makes sense, right? Like Dr. Acula. It's like... <laughs> like he just looks up at Luva and he's like, that's good, right? Like, <laughs> get it? And she's like... Oh. Who are you? <laughs> so he puts, her, puts him down in this coffin 
And then he seals this room with Luva in it. And then you never hear from her again. Nope. <laughs> Don't know why, but she's just gone. We jump forward to uh, the 1970s and these two like comically gay guys, like a gay couple that are interior designers have traveled to they're they're from LA. 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 Uh they travel from LA to Transylvania cuz where else do you go when you visit Europe? <laughs> um not like France or you know Spain or <laughs> nah. you know places known for like high fashion. Um they go to Transylvania and apparently Dracula's castle just happens to be on the market. <laughs> And they're just like, fuck it, we'll buy it and everything inside. Yeah, and the guy tells him, he's like, you know, this this was owned by Dracula up until he was killed by the great Dr. Van Helsing. Yeah. And they're just like, well, where we come from, Dracula's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's like, oh, where you come from, not, you know, the place where he existed. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, where we come from, Dracula was a pretty big myth. And this realtor is like, Dracula's not a myth. <laughs> I love that throughout the whole movie, they refer to him as a myth. Not a story, yeah. not a legend or a work of fiction, but a myth. Right. <laughs> like something that may exist, but might not. Yeah. It's like, whose castle did you think this was? <laughs> what do you think the fucking monogram D on everything means? <laughs> yeah, they're like, you know, oh yeah, we'll take all the, you know, flatware and we'll sell that because it was Dracula's, so people will want it. Yeah. <laughs> Because people are sheep. <laughs> um, they, and they're like, so, you know, this being a castle, are there any, like, hidden passageways? And the guy's like, well, as a matter of fact, when they renovated the castle not too long ago, they actually did find several secret rooms. So they go into one of these said rooms, just happens to be the one that Mama Walde was laid to rest in. The tomb, in. yeah. Um, but again... Louvre is nowhere to be found. Yeah, not even like a skeleton. Yeah. And there's no mention. No mention. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I could believe that, yeah, when they discovered this room, yeah, oh, shit, there's a fucking dead body there. Right. And But it, I think a realtor has to disclose that, right? You'd like, think. I mean, maybe the real estate laws are different in Transylvania. That's true. That's a good point. But, you know, it's such an up-and-coming neighborhood. <laughs> um, so, he... Um, they're like... They, they, the coffin, they're like, does this come with the house? Yeah. He's like, it can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, anyway, so they, they pack everything up and cart it off to their warehouse back in LA. Um, <laughs> and like I said, these two are a fucking joke. And like, if, if I was gay, I would be insulted by these guys' presence <laughs> because like, so it, it's a, it's a black and a white guy. This the white guy is like super dandy. He's wearing like a three piece suit and he's like smoking a cigarette. Like an ascot. Yeah, he's yeah, and he's got like a uh, smoking a cigarette with like a mouthpiece on it. It's like, come on. And the gay guy, big huge afro, which the you know black for, guy. What did I say? You said the gay guy. They're both. Oh, gay they're guys. both gay guys. <laughs> the black guy, big afro, which wasn't out of the norm back then. Yeah, it was the 70s. 
He speaks super effeminately. Oh yeah. Speaks with a lisp mm-hmm. and walks around with a purse. It's like, wow. <laughs> he dresses very disco. It's like, sure, there were I mean, there currently are gay people that you know have that uh f- style about them. Uh but come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean this was clearly done as like a a character because they also use the you know the fag word a few times in this movie. Yeah, like and it's multiple like, times. And it's like I can imagine people seeing this in 1972 and be like, "Well, yeah, that's what we call them." Yeah, <laughs> but nowadays it's like, oh. hey. um, those were the days. <laughs> no, Taylor, you sound like you pine for these days. <laughs> no, I'm just saying those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so they cart all the shit back to their warehouse, and they're kind of going through all of it. And is Mama Walde? He just wakes up, right? They don't actually open the coffin. No, they do. Is it okay? Because they were going to use it as a guest bed. <laughs> as a guest bed? Yeah. How did I miss that? The the white guy. He's like, you know, the guest bed we have in the living room. What if we have this instead? And the guy's like, a coffin. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, so like, could you imagine going to visit someone's house and they're like, here's your bed. <laughs> like, mm, no, no, you sleep there. <laughs> I'm sleeping in your bed. You guys got a couch or <laughs> I'll sleep on the floor. If I get like, <laughs> like getting in there. Um, so yeah, Mama Walde wakes up and of course he's a vampire because he's Blackula. Right. As as the name implies. He's the black Eula. <laughs> the blackest of all Eulas. <laughs> so he uh, wakes up and uh, attacks both of these guys and um, bites them both. And then amongst all of Dracula's things, finds a cape <laughs> and put, uh, you know, puts it on. And then he starts just walking around you know, modern day LA, like it ain't no thing. Also, when you turn into a vampire, you apparently get very hairy cheeks. Yeah, hairy cheeks and very hairy eyebrows. Yeah, that connect to your hair. Right. <laughs> but no hair anywhere below your cheeks, just your cheeks. Yeah. It's like more akin to like a, we might expect from like a werewolf. Yeah. But, you know, who am I? I've never seen a vampire. <laughs> Maybe that's how it works. I don't know. Although Dracula didn't have it. No, Dracula had a goatee in this one. He had a very like sharp little mustache going. He had kind of like the uh, like a John Cleese kind of thing going. Sure, yeah. Um. Anyway, so he's. Just... But he does shave. I mean, when he goes out into the world, he doesn't have these hairy cheeks. Well, it's like it's Where only just like, hey, that's a look, pal. <laughs> well, it's like it's only when he like you know vamps out. Yeah, that was the other thing. He just like at one point he's in a in an alley, and when he like run jumps out to attack somebody, he's got the hairy cheeks again. It's like, yeah, I don't think you'd go back and forth like that. I don't know. Um, and okay, so let's see where does it go from here. So jumps forward to so there's the 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 doctor. Yeah, this doctor. Um, 
Let's see. So one of the the one of the guys, uh, Bill, Billy was it Billy? God damn it, I can't remember which one's which. I think Bobby was the black guy. Billy was the white guy. Bobby, yeah, okay, Bobby is the black guy. So at the funeral home where Bobby is being um, ready readied for burial and you know for his funeral. As as they do at funeral homes, <laughs> not necessarily in that order. <laughs> um, his family comes to you know pay their respects, I guess, or just not even really. I don't know what they're doing. It's just to see him, I guess. Yeah, to it's see like the body. it wasn't a funeral. It yeah, was it like wasn't a viewing. A um, but uh, they come and it's his sister, sister, right? Uh, no, it was his his. Girlfriend. What? Bobby's gay. Oh, Bobby's sister. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the doctor. Bobby's must be Bobby's two sisters. And yes, because they're sisters. Yeah, because so Bobby's sister, um, Michelle and Michelle Tina. And Tina. I'm Tina. <laughs> Tina bears a very striking resemblance to Luva. Like the Dracula story. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The first half or so of this is like, there's a lot of similarities to just the classic <laughs> Dracula story. Right. Um, also in tow is uh, Dr. Gordon Thomas, who is Michelle's boyfriend. Um, See, that was where the girlfriend thing came from. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he is like a pathologist that works with the um, police department. Um, and they're, they're seeing the body and, you know, he's, you know, as a doctor, he's obviously very curious, like, kind of like, what the fuck happened? And the, uh, mortician's just like, fuck if I know. (laughs) There's something wrong with his neck. I made it look better. That's. We said it was a rat bite. (laughs) Pretty big fucking rat. I tell you. Well, yeah, he asked him, he says, you know, how deep were the, the lacerations? He says, oh, like two or three inches. He's like, from a fucking rat? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where are you finding these giant rats? R-O-U-S's? I don't <laughs> think they exist. <laughs> um, so, for some reason, Mama Walde is at the funeral home and happens to see Tina there and realizes how much she looks like Luva. And so he starts following her. Because that's what you do. <laughs> um, and like she notices that he's following her. And so she starts like picking up the pace. And then she drops her purse and starts running. And he starts running after her. <laughs> like a fucking creep. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not going to rape you. <laughs> I'm a little, little boy. boy. <laughs> um, so I'm, she- not, I'm, not, I'm not like a man. I'm like a her. <laughs> So she hurries home and locks herself inside, and, and Michelle comes to check on her, um, saying, "Yeah, there's some guy was chasing me home, and I dropped my purse, and now he's got, you know, my my keys, keys my, my ID, yeah." Um, and so I'm trying to remember because there's a lot of like really insignificant stuff that happens in this movie. Like him just biting randos. Yeah. 
Like he's ch- he's chasing after Luva, and he runs across the street and get, gets, gets hit, hit by, by a cab. <laughs> so he bites the cabbie. Yeah, and of course, like it's a black exploitation film, so of course the cab driver gets out, and she's this really sassy black lady, and you know, and he's just like, you know what, I've had about enough of you, so he bites her. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and so you know, the police department starts getting involved, and as a result, uh, Doctor Gordon um, gets involved and starts becoming very curious, just. You know, you know the the um, details of all these cases. You know, neck wounds, um, all you know, veins having been completely drained of blood, um, and uh, you know, he just he's like on a whim. He's just like, man, this really sounds like vampires. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be a man of science, right? Because <laughs> um, those are myths, right? <laughs> yeah, myths. Just in case you haven't heard, Dracula is a myth. Um, but uh, so he starts like looking into like things about the occult um, and, and this and that. And at this club, Mamualde meets or runs into well, runs into means he, implies that it wasn't planned. He followed Tina to this club and brings her her purse. And at no time does she seem apprehensive about the fact that this is the man that chased her home. No, she's just like, oh, thanks. You want to hang out? Like, yeah. You want to drink? <laughs> and maybe, you know, I'll go home with you later. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, he's just rocking this cape. <laughs> it's like, dude, I realize that you have been asleep for 200 years, but <laughs> take a look around. People are not yeah. wearing capes. You see any other capes? Yeah. And it's like, although Skillet was like very impressed by his look. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, damn, brother, let me get that cape. He's also like, that's a weird dude. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's true. He is a weird guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, aside from the cape. Um, but that like confounded me. Like he seemed to take to modern day LA so well. Like, he seems to know know his way around very well. I'm from L.A., and I get fucking lost in that city. <laughs> he seems to navigate it like a fucking pro. And, you know, he goes to this club, and he orders a Bloody Mary, because he apparently knows what that is. <laughs> and the dude has not picked up on the fact that people are not wearing capes. <laughs> <clears throat> also, why is he wearing a cape? That's like a symbol of the guy who fucked up his life. Right. <laughs> he just thought it was cool. Like, damn. He's like, oh, here's this cape. He looked really good in this. <laughs> um, I always admired that cape. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, he starts getting close to Tina. And as he starts getting closer, Dr. Gordon becomes, I keep calling him Dr. Gordon. <laughs> um, he, uh, he starts getting more suspicious of him. He doesn't, like, there's no cause for it, but for some reason, he starts associating him, associating Mamawalde with these murders that he is starting to suspect are vampires or, like, you know, they're vampire ki- deaths. Like, where does the connection come in? <laughs> it's like, you got this guy, sure, he's weird, weird guy, came up out of nowhere, he's wearing a fucking cape. 
the weird guy. And then you've got these weird murders. You think they're vampires, but it's like, where does that connection meet? I mean, like, you're so, you, if it were me, I would have to be solely basing it on the cape. I mean, anytime there's someone who's new in town and, <laughs> and a bunch of murders start happening, you kind of go, well, you know, it's probably three millennia references. I don't know. It's a few. <laughs> but you're, you're going to kind of be like, you know, well, these didn't start happening until this guy showed up. So, you know, two plus two. Sure. And what are the odds? And he's wearing a cape, so, you know, he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> but, you know, like, LA is a big city. <laughs> there aren't just, like, three people. Well, you know, sometimes cops have to jump to conclusions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to continue exploring my hunch. <laughs> um, hmm, gross. <laughs> there's four. Uh... Anyway, so Mama Walde is continuing to try to appeal to Tina, um, make her want to kind of live his eternal dark life with him. Okay, so there's this really weird scene where he tells her, he's like, look, in 1780, I got bitten by Dracula. You know Dracula from the myth. (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) You've heard of him. He's like, and then I got locked in a coffin for you know 200 years and you look a lot like my late wife so so what do you say we get together and she's like okay (laughs) what (laughs) yeah i mean you know dracula has historically had this ability to um uh glamour people you know appeal to women especially but like that's not even implied no it's just like it's it's just implied that Tina is just all over this guy's dick. Yeah. Because he's just so good looking. But he just told her this absolutely outlandish story. And she's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sounds reasonable. It's just, just like, doesn't even question it. Like, the only thing is, is he, he's like, you know, I want you to be my bride. And she's like, no. <laughs> but we can still hang out. <laughs> it's like, whoa, let's take it slow there, soldier. She's like, no, I don't want to marry you. I love you. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's like, how many drafts do you think this movie went through? <laughs> Not enough. Just one? <laughs> maybe. Or maybe it was like a treatment and they're like, I oh, will make up the rest. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do it on the day. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so she, they, they, they're continuing to get closer and closer. Meanwhile, Gordon is continuing to become more suspicious of him um, and keeps running into all these vampires. There was one part in this movie that was actually pretty creepy, you know, despite being how you know, completely fucking ridiculous, like in every second. There's a part where the cab driver comes out of the morgue and she's like running in mm. slow motion. Yeah. That was actually kind of creepy. It gave me like an Exorcist 3 vibe. Yeah. Um, but that was it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the funny thing about that was like she was in the deep freeze mm-hmm. and uh, Gordon calls the the um, mortician and he's like, hey, I, I have this theory. Take her out of the deep freeze. Then when she thaws out, she kills the mortician. Right. <laughs> it's like, why did he have to die for your fucking theory? <laughs> well, in his defense, he did tell him to lock the door, and he didn't fucking do it. Yeah, uh, okay. 
fucking dipshit. You know, that, that guy looked so familiar, and I was like racking my brain trying to figure it out. It's because he was in the original House of Haunted, House on Haunted Hill. Oh, really? Yeah. Except he didn't have that hook. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a real Munson in this one. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Uh, bu- bu- bu. The, there was the one girl at the bar the first time they went, and she was like taking photos. Right. And every time she would take uh, Mama Walde's photo, he was like, no, no. <laughs> because, yeah, he knows what a camera is, apparently. <laughs> None of these things registered with me at the time, but now that you're saying them, I'm like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And you know what? Like, actually, you know, I was telling you about that uh, Netflix series, the Dracula one, mm-hmm. how fucking bad it was. Like, so it starts out back in the 1700s, and then he gets like on the Demeter, he gets uh, uh, put to the bottom of the ocean. But then for some reason, 200 years later, he wakes up. And then, like, how does he acclimate to the present? He doesn't just, you know, fumble his way through it, like, you know, might be the way that most people would do it. Uh, he conveniently is able to suck people's blood. And know everything they know. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, so he just like, he knows what a cell phone is because he drank a dude's blood. That's dumb. It was so fucking dumb. And I really hate that people like it. Like, it irks <laughs> me. Like, there are so many people out there like, oh, Dracula was so good. I'm like, no, it's fucking garbage. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a, it's an interesting new take on the lore. It's like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, and this one, not only does he know what a camera is, but he knows that he's not going to have... That he's not going to show up in, yeah. the, in the photos, and it's like it's. So he follows the the woman to the to her dark room, yeah. and just murders her. And it's not like he's like learned the ropes of being a vampire either. No, it's been like a day. Yeah, he, he got put like he got bitten and put in a box for two hundred years. Yeah, it's like unless there's like may, oh well, you know what? Maybe he like had a blood transfer of Dracula, and he got his spirit, or yeah, spirit from the blood. So now he knows how to be a vampire. Shut up. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, and so they're back at the club, and again, Mama Walde shows up in his fucking cape and skill. It's like, damn, that's a nice cape. And then Mama Walde is like, "Well, it's been fun, but we're gonna peace out of here." And uh. Michelle's like, hey Tina, maybe you should hang out because at this point, Michelle's in on the on it because <laughs> like Gordon just like you know I think I do the vampire and Michelle's like I think you might be right yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah. and so Tina's getting up to leave with Mama all day and Michelle's like yeah, why don't you hang out and Tina's like but I love him <laughs> she's like we're gonna go so they go. Uh, and they find out that that waitress never showed up or never came back to work, you know, never brought the pictures that she said she was going to develop. So they break into her house, I guess, um, and find these. Uh, so Mama Walde, I keep calling him that because I don't feel comfortable calling him Blackula over and over. Well, they call him Mama Walde throughout the most of the movie. It's true. Yeah, Blackula. Dracula, Dracula says, "I curse you with the name Blackula," and then nobody calls him that. It's like, well, it's not like he's going to be like, well, this one time this guy called me Blackula, 
So <laughs> it's like trying to start your own nickname. Right? It's like I want you to call me T Bone. <laughs> um, but um. Anyway, so they go to this lady's house and they're seeing like evidence that she started developing the film. And Gordon looks at the negative and sees that Tina was in the picture, but Mama Walde's not. So he's like, oh, vampire. Clearly vampire. So sort my, uh, my suspicions are confirmed. Yeah. And so then he goes to his lieutenant, or not even his lieutenant, because he's not a cop, by the way. He, he's a doctor that works yeah. for the police department. <laughs> but he goes to the lieutenant of this police department and um, he says, uh, we got a vampire on our hands. And Lieutenant's like, well, we got to take care of that. He's like, let's roll. <laughs> it's like, let me let me put together this crack force of guys that are wearing helmets for some reason. <laughs> that was so weird. Like, they got into the, like... It was like they were a riot squad or something. Yeah. Like. It's like, he... They're wearing helmets like a motorcycle cop would, but they're driving in a car. <laughs> it's like... Like, I wasn't around to see the LAPD in the 70s, but I'm pretty sure at no point did the uh, vehicle officers wear helmets. Um, anyway, so, yeah, they they track him down, um, or they figure out that his coffin is at this warehouse, warehouse <laughs> where all the things from Dracula's castle were brought. Um, and that's where... Mama Walde's minions are to attack them and they start throwing these kerosene lamps at them that s- explode for whatever reason. Okay, yes. <laughs> I was going to bring this up, but yeah, it's like as soon as they hit anything, they just catch fire even though they're not lit. Yeah. It's like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> How things just explode when they hit the ground. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like they're not lit and not only that, but like kerosene, as far as I know, it's not like explosive. Yeah. But yeah, they'll like hit a person and that person will burst into flames. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, vampires always seem like they're like really like uh flammable. Flammable. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, but anyway, they're like, okay, well, he's not here. And I honestly don't know how they figured out where he was, but he's like He's stashed away in this uh, power plant or like power plant or steam plant or something. Yeah. So they track him down there, and again, there's chemical this, plant apparently. Okay. Again, there's just this squad of police officers in tow who are all in on the fact that this is a vampire they're chasing. It's like, you know, look for his coffin. It's like, okay, boss. Um, and Michelle is there too, even though she's just a civilian. Yeah, she gets to run around and be part of police chases. Right. And it's like, it's not like her boyfriend is a cop. Right. By all means, he shouldn't be there either. Right. Especially because he goes in there armed with a fucking cross. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, you and I, as the viewer, know that the gun isn't going to do much because it's a fucking vampire. Um, but <laughs> I just saw a fucking vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, there is a part in this. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, calm down. Just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so they, they storm this chemical plant and they're storming the castle. <laughs> and um, Tina's there 
with Mama Walde, and they're running through the um, hall, hall, yeah, hall walkways, whatever, through the pipes with with the chemicals. You know, the chemical pipes yeah. that you find in a chemical plant. Right. <laughs> um, and this cop <laughs> shoots her, and uh, then he goes and whoops his ass. Comes back, and he's like, well, this is the only way. And so he bites her. And then he puts her in the coffin, which is like, you know they're looking for the coffin. Right. Why don't you put her somewhere a little more safe? Maybe somewhere off site, since they're already here. Um. But they find the coffin, and Gordon's like, all right, Lieutenant, take this stake, and as soon as I open the coffin, you just stake him. Poker. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't know it's her. That's true. They think it's Mama Walde. So as soon as he opens the coffin, he just puts one in her chest, and uh, you know she's dead. It's like a broom handle or something, yeah. the stake. And yeah, and Ma- she like sits up, and she's got like the Bride of Frankenstein hair. Yeah. Then Mama Walde pops up, strikingly un-upset. Or, yeah, he's just like, it's a dick move, guys. Yeah. It's like, do you know what I've had to go through to get her here? <laughs> um, and, uh, and Gordon reaches for the cross, and uh, Mama Walde's like, that won't be necessary. Yeah, and then he just walks upstairs because suddenly it's become daylight and uh, walks out into the sun and just... Like has the most like <laughs> unglamorous vampire death I've ever seen. Yeah, like he just like covers himself with his cape and dies. And then they do show him afterwards, and he's like his his face is all like melted and sunken in, and that actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, and it's like it's like, it's like a, the only good effects in the whole thing. That's what they shot their wad on. Um, but it's like even like Nosferatu. Like the original, like yeah. 1930, 20 something version, like that was better than this. Um, and uh, yeah, and so that's the end. There's apparently a sequel. Yeah. I, Scream, Blackula Scream, or something like that. Yeah, I don't really know how they brought him back, but I mean, you know, Dracula just comes back from the deaths, from the, from the dead. So why couldn't Blackula? Um, so there's that. What do you think, Taylor? It's uh, it's something. Yeah, it is something. So apparently, a voodoo queen brings him back to life in the second one. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, because you know. <laughs> Black, after black people learn their voodoo, after a dying voodoo queen, Mama Loa chooses an appoint an adopted apprentice, Lisa, played by Pam Greer. <laughs> I saw that she was in the sequel. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, this was dumb. Like it's just a, <laughs> like I'm trying to find some like redeeming qualities about it. There's just really not any. Uh, not really it's like, like you know you have to you have to look at movies through certain scopes depending on how good you know like you already know that they are like you know that this one is super schlock it's black exploitation so you mean it's so you already know that it's like a most certain caliber so you you know you levy your 
expectations to meet that. When it doesn't even meet those lowered expectations, <laughs> that's when you have a problem. Lowered expectations. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's funny that this entire movie, and obviously it was the point of the skit, but it reminded me of um, the house the house of uh, Dr. Dr. Funkenstein. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. It was the it was the later days of Mad TV when like Key and Peel were still on it. Okay, yeah, I wasn't really watching then. Okay, that was, it was pretty funny. It was like just over the top, ridiculous black exploitation stuff, and <laughs> like uh, Keegan Michael Key played Doctor Funkenstein, and uh, uh, Jordan Peel played the monster, um, and they like spoken like jive and. Like, Dr. Funkenstein had like this big like receding hairline fro and like this big push broom mustache. Uh and he wore like a really like form fitting lab coat, but then like checkered bell bottoms. <laughs> um yeah, anyway. That's pretty funny. Uh this it's like <laughs> it's hard to laugh at this. It's like you want to because it's so silly. But it's like it's not silly in a funny way. It's just silly and like, man, this was poorly made. Right. <laughs> um, and like, uh, I don't know how this has become such a like a flagship movie for black exploitation. Like, I don't. It beats me. I don't understand. Like something like. Um, like Shaft. I get that. But this, where does this, I don't care about Shaft. <laughs> I can wake up, throw off my Shaft blankets, wear my Shaft pajamas, run downstairs, have a glass of Shaft juice. <laughs> um, I just realized Shaft juice sounds like semen. <laughs> don't want to drink that. Ah, <laughs> uh, classic. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. I don't know. It's like <laughs> I would be curious to get the insight of a of a black person who watched this and see how they like relate to it or, you know, how they react to it. Yeah. Cuz I know like a lot of people like really like like the uh was it Black Dynamite? I know those that's the later ones, right? The more recent ones with Jai Michael White. Yeah, but it's like comedic. It's like it's intentionally funny. Right. There's Talking about Dolomite, or um, well, yes, Dolomite, and then there was another one that I can't remember, but they, they like it's like a part of the culture, and they like really enjoy it, or at least you know talk about it a lot. Sure. Um, fudge, I don't remember. I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to me that this has become, I, I, you know, I mentioned this before. It's become such a, you know, familiar film, especially when talking about black exploitation films. Uh, and while, it, like, while it was directed by a black guy, it was written by three white people, right? Which seems par for the course, you know, for things back then. It's like how, how. Uh, how much black people were written as caricatures in this. Um, 
you know, probably not as much as they could have been or have been in other black exploitation films, but, um, you know, not far off. And it's like the, the acting is actually surprisingly good. It's just the, that was one of the things that I thought, like, as I was watching it, I was like, this is so ridiculous, but these people are playing it like so straight and they're not like making a joke out of it. And it's like, part of me felt bad because I'm just like, is this the best roles they could get? And they just got to be like, I'm just going to own it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was weird. It was, it was, I had like conflicting feelings because like I said, the actors were doing fine. They were playing their roles. Well, it was just the lines that they were delivering that were poorly scripted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, Hard to gauge. I mean, you really have to put, you know, acting and the script or, you know, the screenplay in separate columns, I guess, because it's really hard to blame the actors for just the shitty movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, like just the story itself is... Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like the story itself seems racist. <laughs> like, I'm going to call you Blackula, boy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on now. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah, I don't really have anything else. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, like I, I, I fully recognize this movie's place in 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 history and in in black film and like like i said the actors were doing pretty well considering but the movie itself was just shit um it's just a dumb dumb story is a dumb concept and it was poorly executed yeah, like the there's no good effects or anything. Like the the bites are all you know hidden, and then when they actually like show the bites, there's it's not good makeup. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that part at the end where you see uh, uh, Mama Walde's dead body is like the only good effect, right? Yeah, production wise or you know, the production value of it was very very low. When he transitions into a bat, it's just ridiculous. It's just like this like crossfade mm-hmm. <laughs> of him, and then and then all of a sudden he's a bat, right? Um, I think I'm going to give this like a three. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> this is rough. Although I have heard, or I mean heard, meaning I've read it in a couple different places that the sequel actually is slightly better. Oh, really? I don't know if that's true. And, you know, I'm sure that's very opinionated, but... um. Who knows? I don't think I'll be watching it anytime soon. Yeah, I don't have any plans to. Um, so that's it. Yeah. And that's going to do it for the episode, guys. Uh, thanks for trudging along with us. <laughs> First half was rough, but the second half kind of picked up. Yeah. We did some good reviews, I think. I think so. Um, we're going to be back uh, in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. What are we watching, Taylor? It's going to be our annual St. Patrick's Day episode. We're going to be talking about a couple Irish horror movies. One is going to be The Hole in the Ground, and the other is To Be Determined. Oh, fuck. Did I not pick one? Nope. Shit. All right. Well, I'm going to get around to that. (laughs) Don't worry. 
it will be Irish in uh, one form or another. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so uh, get ready for for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, We're and- gonna drink a bunch of Irish whiskey. <laughs> I'm gonna fight. Yep. <laughs> We're gonna do all that <laughs> on the next exciting episode of the Great Plot Podcast. Taylor. In the meantime, where can people find us? They can find us wherever they listen to their podcasts or at graveplotpodcast.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast. And of course, check out patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for some exclusive content in exchange for monetary compensation. Hell yeah. So, until next time, guys, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Here, here, here we go again. Trayvon will never get to be an older man. Black children, they childhood stole from them. Robbed of our names and our language. Stole again. Who stole the soul from black folk? Same man that stole the land for cheap black smoke and made the whip crackle on our back slow. Made us go through the back door and raffle black bodies on the slave blocks. Now we slave to the blocks. On them, we spray shots. Leaving our own to lay in a box. Black mother's stomach stay in the knot. We kill each other, it's part of the plot. I wish the hating would stop. Whoa! And a battle with us. I know that black lives matter and they matter to us. These are the things we gotta discuss. The new plantation, mass incarceration. Instead of educate, they rather convict the kids. As dirty as the water in Flint, the system is. Is it a felony or a misdemeanor? Maria Sharapova making more than Serena. It took Viola Davis to say this. The roads are the help and the gangsters. It's really all they gave us. We need Avas, Tanahasis, and Cory Bookers. The salt of the earth to get us off of sugar. And greasy foods, I don't believe the news Or radio stereotypes, we refuse Brainwashed in the psycho to spin We write our own story, Black America again You know, one, one way of solving a lot of problems that we've got Is, is letting a person feel that damn part And a man can't get himself together until he know who he is And be proud of what and who he is And wait, and wait, and where he come from Hot damn black America again Think of Sandra Bland as I'm staring in the wind The color of my skin, they comparing it to sin The darker it gets, the less fairer it has been The hate, the hate made, I inherit it from them But I ain't gonna point the finger We got anointed singers like Nina, Marvin, Billy, Stevie Need to hear them songs, sometimes to believe me Who freed me, licking a Cadillac Drinking a battle rap, so is it God's speed that we travel at? Endangered in our own habitat, them guns and dope, man, y'all can have it back. As a matter of fact, we them lab rats, you built the project for, now you